You're here with a mission, sir? I am. You're trying to get me back in the world? I'm trying to save it. You think you're the only superhero in the world? You become part of a bigger universe. You just don't know it yet. What if I told you we were putting a team together? Who's we? I'm here to talk to you about the Avenger Initiative. This is now playing's Avengers Retrospective Series. The Avengers. That's what we call ourselves. Earth's Mightiest Heroes type thing. Part of the now playing Marvel Comic Movie Series. Well, I guess that's worth a look. Hosted by Arnie. You need to keep both eyes open. Jacob. Yeah, you seem pretty helpless without me. Ed Stewart. Wow, you two are practically twins. Yeah, I wish. Specimen. What are you prepared to do? At NowPlayingPodcast.com, we will be reviewing all the Marvel Cinematic Universe movies featuring the superheroes Iron Man. I'm just not the, the hero type, clearly. The Incredible Hulk. He was a freak accident. The goal is to do it better. Thor. You're big. Fourth bigger. Captain America. How many of you are ready to help me sock old Adolf on the job? And the Avengers. I have an army. We have a Hulk. Let me emphasize that what I'm about to share with you is tremendously sensitive both to me personally and the army. This podcast will contain detailed plot spoilers and mild language. Listener discretion is advised. I've always been more curious than cautious. So, are we going to do this? Gentlemen, you're up. Today we're discussing Captain America, The Winter Soldier, starring Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Sebastian Stan, Anthony Mackie, Colby Smulders, Frank Grillo, Emily Van Camp, Haley Atwell, Robert Redford, and Samuel L. Jackson. Directed by Anthony Russo and Joe Russo. I'm Arnie Zola, the voice that comes from 2,000 feet of archives and now playing. Stuart in L.A.? On your left, this is Jacob. And we are back in the Marvel Universe again. We've done reviews of every Marvel film out there, so now as they put them out, we gotta keep up, right? <laughs> you know, I set the bar real low last time. I feel like I set a bar that they can achieve now. My deal was, as long as they put something out as good as Thor The Dark World, <laughs> I'm gonna give it a pass, right? That was... That's a very low bar. I agree. Something that can set. It was competent nonsense is basically how I felt like it was going to go now. You know, we've talked a lot about how Marvel's under new management and that it was heading in a direction where I felt it was really kiddified and not for me. And so I had to find somewhere where to go. Well, I'm happy to say I'm going to just go ahead and spoil off the bat. They clear that bar. It is much better than <laughs> Thor The Dark World. And I'm going to say, Arnie, you're going to have to eat a little crow here, too. This is not... The Disney makes a kitty film this time. Thank God. They've gone in a different direction. They really did. And I was kind of expecting that based on the trailer. I tried to temper my expectations because good trailer editors can make anything look good. But this seemed like the first movie by Marvel in a long time that was about something other than powers, lightning, and armor. Yeah, it's also the first one I felt since 
Avengers that takes place in the Marvel Universe. You know, you listen to Iron Man 3 and Thor The Dark World, I just felt like, well, really, those are kind of big things. You know, the president's in danger, there's this universe-crushing alien dark elves race, but it didn't feel like it was in this Avengers Universe. This feels like a film that is in the Avengers Universe. Yeah, they're not just trying to make another Marvel movie. They're trying to make the best Marvel movie. Whether they achieve that or not, I'm going to, I am going to say that. But that's what Captain is gunning for. He wants to give us a movie better than The Avengers. And I want to just give the listeners a warning. If you haven't seen this, we're going to spoil the living hell out of it. We always do. But this is one that I feel I really benefited my first watching from not being spoiled. So I'm going to go out there and say, if you haven't seen it, going to say something I rarely say, stop listening to us for right now. Go see the movie so you can have that experience. Then come back because there's a lot of twists and turns in this movie. It's one of the more surprising. And I'll go ahead and spoil right now. All of the twists are better than the Mandarin isn't the Mandarin. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a twist so bad they hired Ben Kingsley back to do one of those Marvel shorts on Thor to fix it. Oh, really? Yeah, so I watched this. All hail the king. Did they fix it? I mean, they come up with a different explanation. I don't know if they fix Ben Kingsley, though. No, they don't fix Ben Kingsley. <laughs> they decide <laughs> because fans were so pissed off that this super nemesis of Iron Man, the Mandarin, was so crapped upon by being an actor portraying a role, and then maybe Guy Pierce was really the Mandarin and Trevor was a fake, but no, the fans were so pissed off that this Mandarin was just Trevor, that they hired Ben Kingsley and created an entire 15-minute movie where there is a real Mandarin and he's pissed that Trevor used his name and has him killed. Oh, that is too bad. Really? So they backtrack on it. Okay. I guess they're in the business of entertainment. If it pissed off the fans, they want to fix that. But I, I say stick to your guns. They wanted to make a light, innocuous, kind of sarcastic parody, I'll go ahead and say, maybe of what DC was doing. Maybe it was a joke on the self-seriousness of Dark Knight. So they changed it so that we could have a real Mandarin movie in the future. But they never will. That's the thing, is that you can never <laughs> go back to the Mandarin in cinema. They're just trying to give the fanboys a way to say, Ooh, you mean it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> the best part of the little mini movie was a cameo by another Iron Man villain. I won't spoil who it was. It was just a little throwaway thing. But much better to see a real villain than a fake actor named Trevor. Speaking of things being maybe not that bad, I, I got questions about the TV show, Arnie Shield. Like, after seeing this, are they planning on canceling that show? Because I don't see how it continues after <laughs> Captain America 2. I'm hoping someone still watches it, and I'm glad it's not me. I did see the pilot of that series. I thought it was competent, but I also thought that it was a stretch to call it within the Marvel Universe. And so now I have to believe that there have been ties to episodes that must be running right now to this film. There has to be. There's a lot of explaining to do. I gave up on that show. Because of Captain America 2 and because I needed to be prepared for this podcast, I binge-watched over the weekend. Okay. But I watched that show so excited. I made it event viewing. I was going to watch it in the home theater. I don't usually watch TV in the home theater. And after two weeks of that, I just was like, no, I'll go watch that on my regular TV. <laughs> and then I'm like, eh, I'm not even going to watch that. <laughs> <laughs> but I was interested, too. And 
I've been kind of keeping up. The problem is, all of this Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. stuff feels like Nightman or Superboy or <laughs> television. And it, it doesn't feel like part of the Marvel Universe because you don't know there's a part of the Marvel Universe that's that cheap. Right. It's like hanging out with the interns or something. I'm like, can't we see the real thing? Why do we have to watch these boring agents? I think that they just hadn't been able to create a dynamic with those actors that was nearly as engaging as any character interaction we see in any Marvel movie. It just, to me, it was a boring show that was proclaiming it was Marvel when it wasn't. An imposter. That was my biggest problem with it, is I didn't like any of the characters. All these conspiracy theories, and... As of this recording, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the TV show has not reflected what's going to happen in Captain America the movie. It's funny because Sitwell, who started in one of these Marvel one-shots and then mm-hmm. ended up, you know, if, if you blink, you miss him in Avengers. He's been on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and in last week's episode, he had to go catch a boat. Mm. Yeah, we're going to talk about him, and I never have wanted to before, but this movie's <laughs> going to make me. Yeah, all of these bit players, I just assumed that they were in the background for a punchline and for the extra bits, like uh, All Hail the King or something. But no, they make him central this time. And the series obviously knew about the, the developments that this movie was going to bring about, but I can't imagine how it could continue. I don't know how we're championing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. by the end of this movie. Yeah, I do wonder if this is going to get ratings to go up. I'm kind of interested to see where S.H.I.E.L.D. goes now in the cinematic Marvel universe, and that extends to this TV show. Well, their hashtag on Twitter right now is, it's all connected. They're trying to convince you that the TV matters. But the truth of the matter is, there has been, going throughout this series, this conspiracy within S.H.I.E.L.D. The organization that they were calling it was Caterpillar. And that there was something with Caterpillar and a clairvoyant who in last week's episode was revealed may not be psychic, but just have access to S.H.I.E.L.D. secrets. They were uncovering some really small time conspiracy. And then just on Sunday, they released an interview on USA Today where they said, yeah, what they've been uncovering is all the stuff that happens in Captain America. But we can't let TV spoil the film, so we have to wait for the film to come out to reveal Caterpillar might be something more important and all this other stuff might be more important. And where Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. goes, if it goes anywhere, because, Jacob, (laughs) you mentioned the ratings. Off the air. Yeah, Yeah, it is an expensive show, and ABC, as as far as I know, has not greenlit it for a second season yet. They have not. It's likely due to synergy, but right now, it's what they call on the bubble. Right. But I'm not here to talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because I don't really like that show. I'm here to talk about (laughs) Captain America. Agreed. But I guess we're still talking about TV. I mean, do you guys know Anthony and Joe Russo? Okay, this is my question. I am baffled because... Spoiler, I guess, a little bit. I'm impressed with this film. I'll say that. You know, how it looks and how it feels and the acting. So I look up these directors. Have no idea who they are. They did some episodes of Arrested Development, some episodes of Community, which explains why that guy from Community got a cameo. You're not a big fan of You, Me, and Dupree? Oh, yes. You mean no. (laughs) That movie sucked, by the way. I think Marjorie and I mini-reviewed that a long time ago. (laughs) You did. I remember it. I think it it was like a DVD-only mini-review that we just, we cared so little about, we forgot to put it out. 
<laughs> yes, I never wanted to see it. I was never in danger of picking that one up, but your review ensured that I would never go near it. So how do two TV comedy directors get a huge blockbuster action film? It comes down to community. That still doesn't make sense to me. I, I no. get it. That show has a huge cult following. How does that translate into this? Like this, you would think you'd want a competent director with as big as this film is. Well, community is a show that I also watched. I've given up on that show too, but <laughs> I watched it pretty loyally for the first couple of seasons. The thing about community is it's sort of genre bending. You don't quite know what to expect each week. One week they're doing a Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, like, claymation Christmas special. One week it's animated. Well, in season two, the finale was about a paintball game that had a high-stakes prize, and it turned into this massive parody of action film cliches. And this was done by Anthony and Joe Russo, and Kevin Feige and the Marvel people saw this and went, these guys have an eye to really do action, and while they're doing an action parody, they know this shit. So they called them in and said they were one of several directors that were looked at. It was down to the guy who did the Adjustment Bureau, the guy who did the Italian job, and the Russos. And the Russos gave a great pitch to Marvel, and so there they were. There is a certain kind of sense to it now. I, In retrospect, I can see why they're looking towards TV. It's cheap? Well, yes. And there is always that, and, and that cannot be discounted. But, of course, Marvel has a lot of money. They had the money to hire who they wanted. But they never like spending it, be it on their comics or their movies. The talent is expendable and cheap. They almost fired Sam Jackson for wanting too much money. Yeah, yeah, but they got Downey back. My point being is that if they feel like they need it, they'll pay for it. They can pay for it. They're never going to be in a position where they can't come up with the money. But the Marvel Universe has become like television. I mean, you would want a showrunner. Joss Whedon proved that. Joss Whedon delivered the biggest Avengers movie, I believe, partly because he knew how to juggle a lot of different characters. So if you have people whose talents are, we have a lot of things going on in a movie with a lot of characters that are important to all of us, how do we all give them a moment? TV writing is really built around doing that fast, cheap, and yeah, keeping people engaged. I can see the logic, even though obviously the scope of happy endings and community and you, me, Dupree is much lesser than anything they've tackled before. There's probably people in the wings that help them with all the special effects stuff that help them with all the things that they aren't accustomed to making. But yeah, TV writers would be great for juggling future Marvel properties. But I do think, if you look at John Favreau from the very beginning, the Marvel Studios are trying to find, behind the scenes, people who are affordable and up-and-coming. Get them on the way up. Right. And help build their career where it's mutually beneficial. And here, apparently they think they did well, as the Russos are already signed for Cap 3. It's good news. But I was excited for this. I went to the Captain Amarathon. Two films? Two films. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no Avengers? I think that's how they stretched out Thor, wasn't it? Yeah, with Thor, I got to see the Avengers again. Here, it was just Captain America, the first Avenger, seeing it on the big screen again, and then Cap, regular. And then I went back. I saw it in IMAX 3D as well. So I've seen this movie twice now, and I'm glad I did, because there's a lot that I didn't quite get the first time. Yeah, I wish I got to see it a second time, too. I, I'm going to maybe be leaning on you since you did, because there is a lot in this film, but I, I didn't go to any special 3D screenings or any 
marathons of two films. I did go opening night, though. I went to a 5 o'clock screening, hoping to beat the crowds on Friday. But it was still pretty packed. It was a pretty full theater, and there was huge lines when I got out of that showing. Yeah, if you want to beat the crowds, try a 9 a.m. show. That's what I opted for. <laughs> Partly because I was doing IMAX 3D, and it's a cheaper ticket by about five bucks. <laughs> so I did not go opening night. But um, it was a small, enthusiastic audience for the big IMAX. But I was next to a six-year-old girl, her father, and on the other side, it was a middle-aged man with no child and uh, a few other people you'd expect to see at a comic book movie. There's a lot of little kids at my showing, and maybe we could discuss it. I don't know if this is the movie. I I get coming off the Avengers and superheroes. A lot of what I saw here as far as action and violence goes, I don't know if you want to bring your little kids to this one. We'll discuss it. Well, the the girl did ask her father a lot of questions, but she seemed to enjoy it. So I do feel like, yes, you know, Disney's not dumb. They've made something that younger audiences can enjoy. But yeah, the refreshing surprise this time is they've made something that isn't necessarily geared towards them. Well, I know we have this rule on now playing. We have three people per review. But I'm going to have to bring in a fourth because when I saw this in IMAX, there was a fairly loud commentator in my audience, this woman. And she let me know from (laughs) ten rows away her reaction to almost everything in the film. I will be bringing her point of view as well. (laughs) That's exciting. We've never had four hosts before. (laughs) Yeah. It, It was mostly limited to three or four word outbursts. (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. I've been in a few theaters like that, but sometimes that's fun. Uh, I'm glad it was your second viewing, not your first. That would have annoyed me opening night. Marjorie and I were laughing so hard at her outburst. We're like, how can you be mad when she's so amusing? <laughs> <laughs> well, should she give the plot summary or are you going to do it, Arnie? Does anyone have to? This one was hard. We're going to get into the plot. I cannot summarize every twist, every turn, every surprise, every character beat in a summary, but I will give the plot. Since the events of Avengers, Captain America, again played by Chris Evans, has been working for S.H.I.E.L.D., but chafing under the secrecy of the spy organization. It comes to a head after the rescue of a S.H.I.E.L.D. boat taken by terrorist Batroc, where... On the mission, Black Widow, Scarlett Johansson, put the hostages in danger to complete her secret mission of downloading the S.H.I.E.L.D. data from the ship's computer. Her boss, Nick Fury, Samuel L. Jackson, confides in Cap that the data was about Project Insight, a defense system that involves three helicarriers that will stay in a very low orbit over the planet, heavily armed to take out any threats to world security. Cap thinks of quitting, but doesn't quite know what to do if he did. But he soon finds himself embroiled in a large-scale conspiracy when his boss is seemingly killed by the notorious assassin, the Winter Soldier, who has a metal arm and has been responsible for some of the most dangerous assassinations over the past 50 years. As his last act, Fury gives Cap a thumb drive with a S.H.I.E.L.D. logo. Maybe they'll sell it. (laughs) S.H.I.E.L.D. Secretary Alexander Pierce, played by Robert Redford. Yeah, we'll talk about him. (laughs) Tries to find out what Fury gave Steve, and when the captain is evasive, Pierce orders all of S.H.I.E.L.D. to hunt down and capture Captain America. So Cap and Black Widow go underground and discover that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been infiltrated by Hydra, the Nazi science organization from that first movie, headed by the Red Skull back in World War II. 
Over the past 70 years, Hydra has operated in secret, infiltrating positions of power. Now with Project Insight, Hydra is prepared to take control of the Earth using an algorithm made by now-dead Hydra scientist Arnim Zola that can figure out the people who would resist Hydra rule and kill them proactively with helicarriers. The leader of Hydra is, of course, Alexander Pierce, because you don't (laughs) hire Robert Redford to not be a major role. It's also revealed the Winter Soldier's identity is Bucky Barnes, Cap's friend from before World War II, thought dead when he fell from that speeding train in the Alps. It turns out Zola had experimented on Bucky, trying to make him a super soldier, so Bucky survived the fall, just losing an arm. He's been kept mostly cryogenically frozen and had his memory erased through electroshock, but he's thawed out when a kill needs to happen. So S.H.I.E.L.D. director Maria Hill, played again by Kobe Smulders, Cap, Black Widow, and Cap's running pal Sam Wilson, who will later be known as the Falcon because of his experimental flight suit, undertake a mission to stop the helicarriers by replacing their targeting chips. It's a huge fight of S.H.I.E.L.D. agent versus S.H.I.E.L.D. agent and Cap against Winter Soldier. They succeed in taking down the helicarriers before they can murder millions, and Widow and Fury, who was not dead, just faking it, take out Pierce. But Cap refuses to fight Bucky and is pummeled and falls from a crashing helicarrier into the Potomac, where Winter Soldier then rescues him before he can drown, showing that Bucky's memory, or at least some of his conscience, may be returning. But in the attack, Widow intentionally leaks all of S.H.I.E.L.D. and also all of Hydra's secrets onto the internet, ending the Age of Spies. And though she's called before the Department of Defense for her actions, she's convinced it was the right move and is confident that they won't be sent to prison as she and the other Avengers are needed to defend the country as credits roll. Next year, yes. To a scene showing us another Hydra soldier, this one wearing a monocle, who has Loki's scepter and two prisoners. One male who seems to run really fast and a female who can make things float. This monocled man says we're in the Age of Miracles... As credits again roll to another scene showing us Winter Soldier at the Smithsonian looking at the Captain America exhibit and specifically a picture of Bucky Barnes as finally the lights come up in the theater. So, Stuart, you asked about Robert Redford. This one shows how powerful Marvel is becoming. It's unbelievable that six years ago they were a brand new studio and now they have people calling them. Redford's people called Marvel and said, Robert wants in. What do you have? What? (laughs) (laughs) It's weird to me because Robert Redford is obviously a star long past his prime in front of the camera. He has remained an incredible force in independent films by creating the Sundance Movie Festival and for, you know, directing now and then. But I I feel like he understood he was never a great actor. He he was a big movie star. And when, when that era ended, he found ways to contribute to film. I'm surprised that he would want to do this at what now is fast approaching age 80. Yeah, is that how old he is? Because, man, close. high definition era is not for him. That He's rough looking. Hey, kudos to him for not going the plastic roots, really. I, and I, I agree with that. He projects someone that is not vain. I don't care that I look this way anymore, which is why he doesn't do too many movies. <laughs> That's all I'm saying is you don't see this kind of face in front of the camera often. I, I could tell that he's been behind it a lot. It's just, yep, he's come back in front of it, and he's. I'm surprised he's this old. It's been a while since I've seen yeah. him something. Well, he was in a movie last year. I want to point out all his loss was a little indie that one of his Sundance kids talked him into doing, but he was playing to his age. He was supposed to be a retired man on his yacht fighting for survival. It was actually a pretty good performance for him. 
him, one of his best. But yeah, I he wanted to act again, and more than that, he wanted to act in a comic book movie. Blows my mind. I couldn't believe it either. I thought that the Marvel people were out there, you know, recruiting. But right. what Kevin Feige has said, they're in a position now where people are coming to them and they had this role that they hadn't cast yet that they thought would be absolutely perfect for Redford. And truthfully, yes, it is. Right. Some of his biggest roles were in the 70s, Three Days of the Condor. They were conspiracy movies. That was, you know, post-Watergate, the nation was really against its government and didn't know who to trust. And there was a lot of cool thrillers on that subject. He starred in some of them. He brings that to this movie. This is, I think, the coloring for Captain of America. Every time we get a Marvel movie, they taste a little bit different. And this one definitely is colored by him and that 70s conspiratorial mindedness. I was definitely thinking his Bob Woodward and all the president's men in reverse this film. Yeah. You know, you're saying 70s conspiracies. I, I don't know if that's the 70s things anymore. I mean, Edward Snowden, WikiLeaks, I feel like this is trying to tap into that. I don't know if the script was going on before that was happening. You know, was it like the Dark Knight Rises and it just happened to be popping up the same time as the 99% and Occupy Wall Street? It really feels like it has tapped in. I, I don't know if it's saying anything smart about what's going on right now, but it definitely tapped into that fear of the NSA and the fear of the government that people are feeling now the snowden thing was going on at the time and they were doing rewrites going yeah this fits perfectly so they were already doing a political conspiracy thriller and when they saw what was in the headlines they played up to it yeah i think that's wise and it feels like this time after kind of mocking it they're trying to compete with dark knight they saw what nolan did by making a topical uh, massive superhero franchise and said, we can do this too. This feels like Marvel's attempt at doing Nolan. The first time that they've tried it, really. They're definitely doing a topical film, yeah, for one of the first times. I mean, say what you will about Iron Man and kind of the Middle East war. It was really very light. This is the first one where they feel like they're trying to say something. I think, though, if you're going to bring up Dark Knight, they wanted a balancing act. They wanted something topical, serious, discussion-worthy, but they didn't want to lose the Marvel feel, the Marvel fun, the jokes. Right. It's all yeah. in here, too. Yeah, they, and they start with fun. I mean, it starts with a joke. The running in DC gets everyone laughing. I think it was a good re-entry to Captain America in this first act they do a good job. If you've never seen any Marvel movie or even the first Captain America movie, they catch you up really well, expertly, in these introductory scenes. And they set the scene so clearly. I mean, they're running in Washington, D.C. You see the Washington Monument down there. You don't set a film in Washington, D.C. accidentally. This tells you that it's going to be about government and things along those lines. Plus, it's a great way to introduce us to a brand new character to the Marvel Universe. Sam Wilson. Yeah, you know, I always feel bad for these guys. There's always, uh, you know, he's like in the Hawkeye crew, right? <laughs> he's like, we know that Falcon is never going to be cool enough to have his own movie. He's just not that good. He's just not that good. But I really do like this actor, Anthony Mackie. I've seen him in Hurt Locker, Pain and Gain, and a Spike Lee movie here and there. He's got something. And I think across the board, from him to Redford, every new participant is really well cast. I like this guy probably more than I should. It's a nothing part. 
He's sort of a throwaway new friend that he makes at the VA, but I, I think he really brings something human to the character. Yeah, I was kind of wondering what they were going to do with the Falcon. He's a staple in Captain America comics. He's a oh, character really? that, yeah, he comes, you know, they're not sidekicks, but he appears regularly. He also, the Falcon, Sam Wilson, the first African-American comic book superhero. You know, there is the Black Panther, but he was from Africa. This is the first one from the States. And so he's kind of got a special place in comic book history. So I'm glad they're including him here. And I'm glad, well, we'll talk about what they do with him. I'm glad they update him and modernize him. And he doesn't have his red spandex suit with white Ooh. bird wings going on and he's also not an ex-pimp what yes yeah, i mean <laughs> well you know first african-american is was still the 60s when they wrote him it, they couldn't break all those stereotypes oh my god really <laughs> yeah they had to go there no i i love the fact that we they worked in the va stuff captain america he's a soldier this is what a lot of military families are dealing with i love the fact that they bring up starting right from the back people coming home and how hard it is to come home, that the bed feels too soft. Cap's got a list. I love that. Yes. Like Nirvana and Rocky 2 is on it. Rocky 2 has a question mark, question so I stand mark. by my rating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, all of this stuff, it's funny. It's light and it's good, but it feels like our world. It feels like real world stuff. After watching Elvis come from space to turn off the lights, I feel like I'm in a place where I understand. Yeah, and one of the things I was kind of lamenting is because they went from Captain America right into the Avengers. One of the things I love about the Captain America story is when he's trying to make sense of this new world. And they don't spend a whole lot of time on it in this film, but I think they spend enough and they get it down with this VA stuff with that little notebook, you know, Star Wars. He's got a Marvin Gaye, all the things he's got to catch up on. I, I like that they have those little moments that are, it's just the right amount. It's not overbearing. It's not like watching Salinger all over again. <laughs> It's the right amount, and I think Sam Wilson's that good in character to, you know, for Captain America to see what these modern soldiers are going through. I'll say I really like Anthony Mackie. In this early scene, I'm afraid he's going to be too jokey and a, just a little too funny. Every line seemed to be a joke. They were funny jokes, but I didn't want him to be the comic relief. Also, I feel like the Marvel Cinematic Universe... They need to get a little bit more diversity of their African-American males because now this is the second not quite a sidekick military African-American. I mean, we got Rhodey as Iron Patriot and now we've got Sam Wilson as Falcon. They could bring him back as a pimp then is what you're saying. You'd, you, you, is that the diversity you want? <laughs> Stewart said himself, these are the characters who can't carry a film. Where, where's yeah. the black superhero that can carry a film? Right. And don't forget about Nick Fury. I mean, they were talking about this being his movie. Originally 2014, this was going to be the Nick Fury spinoff. I think it's telling that it ended up being the Captain America 2 with him getting a storyline in here. I agree with you. The African-American superheroes are relegated to sidekicks right now. And we'll see if one is good enough to get his own. I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. But it's not going to be Falcon. As much as I like <laughs> Anthony Mackie, I'm here to tell you that, yeah, the suit and all of that, that is definitely sidekick status. Oh, yeah. But I got a lot of roadie off of his performance in certain scenes. And so that's why I felt that there was a lot of similarities. But I'll say I like Anthony Mackie in this movie. I think he has more humanity than Rhodey ever did. I think the scenes in the VA 
really yes. make him a fully fledged character, a character with a bit of a tragic history. He's out of the military. He was in the military. He couldn't take it after his partner died. He's out. And things in this movie are going to happen that make him want to go back in. And like in the comics, I mean, it was Captain America and the Falcon is how I knew the comics throughout the 70s. I think if there's a Captain America 3, Falcon is going to be by his side as the new Bucky. Oh, yeah, because this is the only character that Steve relates to. Steve is trying to find his place in this world, and here's a guy that gets it. He lost his partner. He lost his Bucky, and this guy also lost a partner. And they get each other as men, as soldiers. I get that camaraderie. They do a good job of creating a sidekick here. But let me just say, not a standalone character. I, I love the VA stuff, though. You're right. That stuff is what makes him not just feel like someone there to tell jokes. Thank God they didn't cut it. This movie runs almost 220. Doesn't that feel like the stuff the studio might be like, snip, and we'd be watching as deleted scenes? Thank God they didn't cut it for Cap's arc, for Sam's arc, for the pacing and feel of this movie to make it about characters and not just set pieces. Because we're talking a lot about Sam and Cap here, but we're looking at their whole arc in the movie, we get maybe three minutes of them running before we're at a set piece. Black Widow shows up in a really kick-ass car and takes Cap to the Indian Ocean to invade a boat. I do want to say, and I, I said this with Avengers, after Iron Man 2, I'm like, let's get rid of Black Widow. Like, whatever, however she was written for that, it did not work with Scarlett Johansson. Avengers, I'm like, I want my Black Widow film. And now there's rumors that we might get one. Here again, I'm glad whatever they did to her in that Avengers film, to give her a personality, to make her more than just a... a good-looking body. You know, she's an engaging character. I felt that right away. You know, when she comes to pick up Cap, she's got that camaraderie with him, and they're joking again. And this isn't, this doesn't feel like the farce that Iron Man 3 felt like, though. They have great one-liners. You know, this feels like an action film, where you're dropping these little quips as you're kicking butt. But I, I want to say, I'm glad, whatever magic they were able to do with Black Widow and Avengers, that that has carried over again. Yeah, give her her film. She's she's proved it twice now. She was great. She was a standout in Avengers, in a movie where it's hard to stand out. She's great here, too. She's playing the big sister, is the way it comes across, that she's the one that's going to make Steve hook into this modern world. She's going to get him a date. That's the way that she yes. approaches it. And I really think that, you know, she's funny. She sells the action now. Her stunt double, the cuts between her and her <laughs> yes. stunt double are great. And she's got a great backstory. I mean, we'll, we'll learn out that she has this, they keep teasing this secret history of her that is going to get exposed by the solution of this movie, the climax of this film. Uh, yeah, I'm ready for her to get her standalone. I think they build it. Don't make her do these Luc Besson, silly, I'm a drug mule and turn super powered things like she's got coming later this summer. I saw the trailer for that before Ugh. I, for this and it yeah. looks terrible, but I'll probably see it because she's convinced me she's good enough to do this kind of part. And I'm right where Jacob was with, I hated her in Iron Man 2. And I'd known Scarlett Johansson from some performances like Lost in Translation and a few other things, but in Iron Man 2, I thought she was toxic. I thought she was ruinous. And then Avengers made me fall in love with her character. Here, it's not quite Avengers-level good. This is Cap's movie. There's a lot of characters in this movie. They do tease about her backstory. She gets some amazing action. I mean, every bit as good as Cap's action. But I do want to see more of her story. It's hinted that in Avengers 2 we're going to get more. But yeah. I want a Black Widow solo film, and I believe it could be the first female-led superhero film to not suck. Yeah, I agree. She's the one to do it. 
And I want to point out, I think part of the reason why she is so good with Chris Evans is because they've known each other for a long time before they were cast as these superheroes, and they got chemistry. These two are good together, and they help anchor this movie. When Cap doesn't know who else to trust, I'm glad the ones that he picks are Scarlett and Anthony Mackie. These are it's a good team they got. I'm just really glad, though, they didn't turn Black Widow into the love interest. I remember when they were shooting Captain America, and a scene leaked. Some paparazzi took a picture of them kissing on an escalator. And I'm just like, oh, God, you're going to take that character and do to her what you just... The box you always put females in in superhero movies. You're going to make her the love interest. And while there are a couple of funny, flirty scenes, she's more interested in setting him up with other people. At no point do I ever think those two are actually going to get together. No, the the whole time... She's trying to hook him up with, you know, the, the secretary or this agent or that agent in S.H.I.E.L.D. You know, you, you get it throughout this whole scene on a boat where they're taking out hijackers. Here's like the crowd, how much they were getting into this. Cause this is, you know, it's not R rated brutal violence, but for a Disney Marvel film, I was surprised how brutal this violence was. There wasn't blood, but they hit hard. And yes, it's Captain America and he's a super soldier, but people were like groaning. It's like, you know, when you, a guy watches another guy get kicked in the balls, you, you get that empathy groan. Like people were doing that throughout this whole scene. That's what I'm saying. If you got little kids, I don't know if this is the movie for them. If you're sensitive to violence, cause there's some good choreography going on, but, it, but it is hard hitting and kind of gritty the way it comes off. What's funny to me is Cap throws a knife through a guy's hand. And I'm like, oh my god, Cap just stabbed a guy. And I'm thinking of that as worse, but then I'm like, as hard as he's hitting with his fist, his feet, and that shield, he's concussing everyone. Yes. I think I'd rather have a knife through the hand than a massive concussion from that vibranium shield. Yes, I'm paying close attention to what he's doing. I'm feeling like the other ones, some of them got tasers, but I know Black Widow kills some people here. She's got a gun at some point. There are deaths that happen, but everything that Cap does, it's sleeper holds, it's pushing a guy overboard. He grants a man a a one-on-one fight because he's baited into it, but he's basically trying to meet people at the level that he's being fought at. He's not going overly harsh. But it's brutal. And I want to say, I have never been convinced about Captain America action. This whole, I got a shield that's a Frisbee. (laughs) It it got lost on me in Avengers. I, I felt like he looked like the weaker link. When Hulk and Thor and all go at it, I'm like, yeah, this guy's got a Frisbee. That's nothing. <laughs> they sell me on this stuff now. The action, this opener, it's a grabber. He kicks ass throwing that shield. It looks great. He good, looks good fighting. He looks good with his weapon. They've sold me a complete portrait of a hero here. Stuart, Stuart, you say he grants some guy a one-on-one fight? That's Batroc the Leaper. I can't believe they put Batroc in a Marvel film now. Me either. Who's Batroc? Yeah, I have never heard of him. I know my Marvel. Batroc, I got him confused with Brock, who we're going to be talking about in a second (laughs) here, and not the now-playing co-host. No, Batroc the Leaper. I mean, this is a villain in the Captain America comics. He's a French-Algerian. He he was basically, I mean, written in the 60s, but basically written as a Van Damme character, you know, this badass kickboxer that... Does he do the splits? He leaps. He's Batroc the Leaper. I mean, that's that's his full name, but no, he is a serious badass. Like, he can fight. He's just got this funny name and this funny costume, so they definitely gritted him up here, but I could not believe when they're saying, like, it's Batroc. I'm like, wow, they're actually bringing him into this film. They're going deep. That was a kick-ass fight, though. Right here, I'm going to say this. This movie has the best fights, the best fight choreography of any Marvel movie to date. They've upped the game, and I love it. 
Yeah, I'm glad you explained who this character was, because I was a little weirded out. Normally, you know, I just watched Captain Phillips last year. Normally, when you hear about pirates taking over ships for their cargo... I was expecting a bunch of Somalians, too. Yeah, an African pirate crew here. That they were French through me, and then later it's revealed they're Algerian. So that helped a little bit, but I'm like, (laughs) I never heard about French pirates. This is new to me, but I definitely went along with it. Just as an action set piece, if you're here just for the fun of the fight. You're going to get it here. This is great stuff. And Captain America finishes it with a move right out of Street Fighter. He does his own leap kick and kicks him in the face and does like a full 360 landing on his feet. Incredible stuff. And yet they're also pushing forward the overall narrative. This scene matters because in it, Black Widow goes missing. She's off on her own mission to steal some data. You guys have implied that you've had trouble following this plot. I feel like this is the one beat that I still don't understand. I feel like I more or less get the movie, but can we just talk about everything that's happening here, including the sub-layers we find out later? She's been asked by Fury to back up data or what? Yeah, that's what I don't get either, and maybe a second viewing will solve this. I can explain this, I think, okay? And maybe a director's (laughs) commentary will take it further. Your best guess is welcome. Okay. There's a conspiracy within S.H.I.E.L.D. that is actually taking Nick Fury's Project Insight and subverting it for Hydra's aims. Right. What is subverting it is an algorithm developed by Arnim Zola that can predict our future based upon our past. They look at our SAT scores, our voting records, our medical history, and it can tell who is a threat to Hydra and who is not. Got all that. Yes. And I'm just setting the foundation. (laughs) (laughs) So this is all being put into Project Insight without Nick Fury's knowledge, because Nick Fury is not Hydra. He knows that he's achieving peace by having the biggest gun. You know, he has this whole analogy about his grandfather used to carry a twenty-two to keep people back, and now he has three helicarriers. But what he's not prepared to do is completely murder millions of people who could be a threat just based off an algorithm. Yeah, he's he's willing to take preemptive strikes, but not based off, I guess, this algorithm is what you're saying. Yeah, I think it would be based off of intel, you know, and also help gather more intel by being up there surveying. And right. that way, if you have, like, Al-Qaeda in caves, these helicarriers would be able to find them from above instead of needing people on the ground. Right. All of this... He knows, but what he doesn't know is about this algorithm, but he suspects something's up. So what we find out later is he hires Batroc to kidnap this boat because he knows something's amiss on this boat. And Widow's plan is to get the data, which is Zola's algorithm that's being put into Project Insight secretly. Okay. That I go along with. Because, yeah, Sitwell is one of the prisoners. We're going to find out later that he is one of the Hydra-affiliated people. And, yes, what she gets off on that little key card is something that gets the plot going for the rest of this movie. Fury knows that orders are being given in his name that he didn't approve of. But I couldn't figure out whether he really had hired the pirates or whether that was a conspiracy to bring down his status. It's really hard to figure out. Widow reveals it, that she knew he hired the pirates. What she says, and it's one line, he knew there was something dirty on this boat. He needed a reason to get in there. Okay. It still seems weird that this algorithm was just, what, on a hard drive on the boat? I Okay, that that's what confused me. It would just seem like you could just email that securely with shield encryption or something. It had a satellite. There was a satellite on that boat, a shield satellite. 
were they going to upload it from the boat? Is that why they were on the boat? Why were they on a boat with it? They, yeah, I, my sense is that this was the Hydra boat the rest of S.H.I.E.L.D. didn't know about. Or if they knew, they didn't know the full extent. That's why Sitwell was there. He was called off Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. the TV series to go to this boat to oversee it. This is one of the satellites they had to launch for Project Insight. It had the data on it. And so what Black Widow was there to do is get the data from the satellite so Nick Fury could review it to find out if something's going wrong with the project. It's a dense movie. I wasn't sure the first time I watched it that the conspiracy really made a whole lot of sense. But you pay real close attention. That's what's going on on this boat is she's downloading Arnim Zola's algorithm that was going to be launched into space on the satellite. And in truth, you don't need to get all of that. All you need to really get from this exchange, uh, the important factor is Captain feels betrayed. He's the captain of the mission, and yet he didn't know what the real mission was. And so he's going to go marching into S.H.I.E.L.D. headquarters to get answers from Fury. Triskelion? Triskelion? Nobody knows. I looked it up. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, what is this place? I thought they lived on a helicarrier. I didn't realize they had a base in Washington, D.C. At least the way these films have set up S.H.I.E.L.D., going off really from the Avengers, is that S.H.I.E.L.D. was a more secretive society. I, I know how it works in the comics, but in these films, it- I didn't know they would just have a big U.N. building <laughs> sitting in New York or D.C. Yeah, but this Triskelon, right from the Ultimate Marvel Universe, is, so they're just continuing with the comic-based lore and here i get the feeling again you know in the early movies we thought shield was u.s in avengers it seemed a bit more international now they're calling it the world security organization and it it still feels very u.s sanctioned u.s led we find out that it was started by howard stark and peggy carter so that original first avengers group that we all discussed the diversity it was Theoretically multinational, but the film makes it feel like an American agency. The NSA or something. Right. It was just, I never imagined Fury in an office. I think that's what it really is. is I never thought of him as a cubicle guy, but this is where it really comes out. The whole theme of this movie is about compartmentalization and that, yeah, even though he looked like the head of it all, he's just somebody on a chain of command and that there are people above him making decisions even he doesn't know about. You know as much as you need to. And I think that's a frustration about bureaucracy that seems universal. And it's kind of where we're at in discussing politics today. I mean, do citizens need to be fully informed about everything that their governments do? It's a great way to begin this discussion. It puts Fury in a definite gray area, though, because this is where we see Project Insight and those three helicarriers. And I like you guys. I thought they had more than one in Avengers. It turns out they they just had the one and it got beat up. So now they have three. But... Fury, he's going to be on the righteous side on this movie, but he's also the one who came up with this plan of having these helicarriers up there as constant surveillance, constant threat, put a gun to the people's heads to make sure that they stay in line. I mean, that's not something I picture usually the good guys signing on to do. But here's the thing. This movie is Captain America. It's about America. This is happening in America. Drone wars. I mean, we just discussed it with RoboCop. This is a drone on Super Soldier Serum, right? This is basically the biggest, baddest drone you could invent here. That it never comes down. It can see the whole world. It knows who everyone is. 
And yes, later with the Hydra technology, it knows everything that people are going to be. So it is almost like a god. It is this omniscient drone that can pass judgment in a flick of a switch. They have great dialogue here. I really do want to compliment the screenwriters on the way that they're able to distill these arguments into stories. I love the story about the grandfather and the gun operating the elevator. I love the, the dialogue that Captain, he's like, I do show you things. I'm not a secretive person. He takes him to that top secret place to show him all of this stuff. And yet to Captain, it doesn't look like freedom. It looks like fear, which is, I think, the way that many people react to our covert operations using drones and drone strikes. I think they've done a good job of taking real world politics and injecting it into the Marvel Universe. And yet it doesn't feel... Arnie, you called this out earlier. It doesn't feel Dark Knight. It doesn't feel like so burdened by those politics. Right. It still has that light Marvel feel. I mean, this is a fun film. It's a brutally violent film. It's got some heavy political themes going through it, but it's also a fun film. Like this does a great balancing act. I think more than any other Marvel film, this has balanced all those different facets pretty well and provided an entertaining film, but one that is deeper than, oh, we're going to fight the Chitari or whatever those aliens were called in Avengers. Yeah. Right. And you're thinking drone strikes. I'm starting to think about basically the Patriot Act and what laws allow the government to do. You know, the Patriot Act took away a lot of personal liberties and gave the government a lot more enforcement things. And you look and you find things like the NSA is now investigating movie piracy. A guy had Google Glass on and the NSA interrogated him for three hours. And it's just because of how these powers have gone. And so I see this as an erosion even further. I mean, it's just taking our current society, go three steps more down the line, how much before we start having, yeah, drones above our own land. I mean, one of the things that Fury says is after New York, he was able to get the funding for this helicarrier project. Now, he's referring to a Chitauri invasion. I'm thinking 9-11. It's that disaster in New York that allowed governments to sign big checks to erode those freedoms. And that is probably because they do keep it big. Maybe they want you to think that. They don't say the, the crazy alien attack with the space whales in New York. They just say the tragedy in New York. They leave it open to interpretation there. Yeah, is part of Arbenzola's algorithm looking at what books you get out from the library? I know that was a big controversy with the Patriot Act. <laughs> but Fury's not a part of that. It's important to understand that Fury is signing off on this kind of surveillance because to him, preemptive strikes makes sense. That means less people die. But he is not signing off on the genetic profiling that Hydra is secretly trying to slip in there. It's important to remember that Fury may be doing something you don't agree with, but he is not Hydra. He's never been aligned with this Hydra cabal that's sort of still in the shadows. Although, I gotta say, when he goes marching into Robert Redford's office, if you've seen Iron Man, (laughs) you know he's playing the Jeff Bridges role here. Yeah, when I saw Robert Redford was in this film, I instantly knew he was going to be nefarious. And I'll say that the entire movie, the entire movie, I'm waiting for him to pull off that wrinkled face mask and reveal the red skull. (laughs) I was kind of there with you, Arnie. I mean, in the end of the last film, and I had just seen the marathon, he just goes off into space. They put Red Skull action figures out 
in, is the only character not from the movie. It's Captain America, Winter Soldier, Black Widow, Red Skull. I figure Withered Face turns into Red Skull. You know, I was not expecting that. I wasn't even 100% sure that he'd be the bad guy, as it were. I knew that he was going to be the thing that Captain fought. It's explained in some of these early dialogue scenes with him that, that he just has a philosophy. I'll just go ahead and say it. He's Obama, right? I mean, he won the Nobel Peace Prize, and yet at the same time, he's got a kill list. He is a likable, liberal figure who also has to do things behind our back. I feel like this is a movie where they're taking our president and making him walk that line between likable public figure, secret killer. But I didn't think that he was going to be a Nazi. I didn't think that they were going to have it be Red Skull. That never occurred to me. And it's a surprise to me, actually, when we get to his final scene and his final line, that they went that direct with it. I never thought he was part of Hydra. I just thought that he saw the logic and what Hydra wanted to do. Yeah, I mean, you hear early on, he's influenced by that secret mission that Fury went on years and decades ago, where he broke orders to save some hostages, and that's kind of like been his influence throughout this. I There is this whole secret Hydra conspiracy. They could have dropped that, and he could have just been someone that was influenced by that and was overstepping power and just wanted to really have the best intentions. But this is the Marvel Universe, so we got to make it a Hydra conspiracy. I never expected Hydra. I never expected Hydra. I expected Red Skull. I never expected Hydra. When it's finally revealed about midway through the movie that it's not just Robert Redford on his own, that there is an entire Hydra cabal, as Stuart called it, man, my jaw hit the floor. I was excited. I thought it was cool, but I never expected them to bring back that kind of lame Nazi subgroup. Apparently, you never read Secret Warriors then. I mean, this is, okay, there's a Winter Soldier story arc, which they're obviously playing on. But there was this series by Jonathan Hickman called Secret Warriors, where Nick Fury had disappeared for years, and all of a sudden he appears again. The reason he disappeared is because he found out, like, S.H.I.E.L.D. was part of HYDRA. And so he had to disappear to, like, find out who wasn't a HYDRA infiltrator and create these warriors to take S.H.I.E.L.D. back over. I mean, this I was actually excited by this because that was a pretty good series. And it was exciting to see that they were playing into that whole vast conspiracy where you find out. I mean, that that's a stunner at the end of issue one spoiler where you find out hydra has taken over shield yeah i don't know that i i would have predicted that was what was going on but it's a captain america movie i've seen a couple you know red brown and he didn't have red skull but (laughs) the other guy salinger he had the red skull i just figured red skull would be here hydra would be here I also had made a prediction on our first Captain America podcast that they, they would have a storyline that straddles between the past and the future. I thought that the Howling Commandos would return. I did not know they, they would come back as a museum piece. <laughs> Narrated by Gary Sinise. Uh, oh, really? Uh, yeah. I, this may be my favorite way to catch people up on the past. Yes. Ever. I can't believe how well it works in telling us without going to flashbacks without having to have talky exposition scenes where people are like, well, you remember when you fought, blah, blah, blah. They they don't do any of that. Watching 
Chris Evans walk through that display and seeing his mixed emotions as he sees his lost comrades, all that stuff, great. Really great stuff. But knowing where this movie was going, I did like how they did it. I love seeing the little kids in the Captain America t-shirts and outfits. I thought it really had a real kind of melding of real world and cinematic universe vibe. But man, the whole time I'm like, well, I just watched First Avenger as part of this marathon, so thanks for the recap. Yeah, but I thought this is a nice way. I I think you're going to get people that maybe just watch the Avengers. I know someone like this. She, on Netflix, her and her kids watched the Avengers and fell in love with the Marvel Universe. They hadn't seen any of these films before, and they're like, now they want to see them all. But, you know, they're going to Captain America, too. They haven't seen those other ones. I think this is going to catch you up. This is going to tell you all that information and a nice little two, three-minute package without, yeah, getting a lot of talking. And I also like when Spider-Man, the Tobey Maguire ones, when all those kids were in the Spider-Man shirts, it just felt so pandering. This, you know, this is a museum. This is a Smithsonian. It makes sense that kids would be wearing these shirts. I don't know. It it feels more authentic to me here. I agree it feels authentic. It's just I was thinking about the non-story reasons why we were there very considerably especially the big focus on bucky barnes the only howling commando to give his life in service of his country i know where this is going but for the people who don't i understand they need this yeah and i wonder if i would have been one of those people now on that original podcast you told me about the winter soldier when i was like why did the guy fall off the train you were like there's a whole storyline he could come back why does he still have his arm so Big spoiler. Having had that thing, there's no mystery to me knowing that Bucky Barnes is this Winter Soldier, is this title of this movie. I'm wondering when he's going to come in. It feels underlined with that knowledge. But if I had not had that knowledge, I would not be thinking when he looks at the memorial for Bucky that he was looking at his future enemy. I was trying to figure out this whole movie. Is that supposed to be a surprise? I mean, it's so common known to the comic book people. I mean, yeah, it's a huge story. It was, I think, the first and only successful bringing back someone from the dead where it was a major storyline that felt real. It wasn't magic or time travel or punching a time wall like they did with Jason Todd to bring back Robin. Like, this is, I think, the only successful resurrection of a dead character who had been dead for decades when they brought him back. People were pissed when he came back at first because basically Marvel had a rule that only three people in the Marvel Universe who've died have stayed dead. Uncle Ben, Spider-Man, Gwen Stacy, Spider-Man, and Bucky. And that was basically everyone else who died could come back. And so bringing back Bucky was a big thing. So I was wondering, was this supposed to be a surprise to people? I found out, thanks to my fourth reviewer, yes. Because when <laughs> when he, he finally gets on MASH, he goes, oh shit, it's his friend! <laughs> See? And when we get to that scene, I didn't even remember what that actor looked like. And he doesn't look the same. I would, I still wouldn't have known that it was him. It took the later <laughs> scenes for them saying, but it was him. It was Bucky for me to go, oh, it was that dude? Like, I feel like they did not do a great job, try as they might, in that first Captain America film, of building this up. I didn't feel like they were building the friendship up to being a Winter Soldier 
moment. It would have been a surprise to me, and it would have been maybe even kind of anticlimactic, because as much as they build the Winter Soldier as being what this movie's about, we haven't really brought him up yet, and he's not going to appear for another half hour here. I feel like his storyline gets lost in all the other conspiratorial-minded plotting, that really, the Winter Soldier, it probably should have gone with a different name, yes, and, yes. Uh, and not been the Winter Soldier. I completely agree. It's Well, I think one of the big changes here is this Winter Soldier was created by Armin Zola and was part of, I, I guess, Hydra. He's, what, German or Nazi? He's Swiss. In the comics. <laughs> okay, Sw- yeah, Armin Zola is Swiss. He worked, just worked for the Nazis. That's right. But in the comics, I mean, he is found by the Russians, and he is a Russian spy. So Winter Soldier makes a little bit more sense. There, there's a line in the comic where a Russian general says the winter is our major weapon because the Nazis just couldn't penetrate the harsh Russian winter. So okay, it's a carryover from the Cold War. I mean, that, that original comic line is much more about the Cold War. Here, they've put made him a Hydra tool instead. Yeah, okay. I was wondering about the name, too. I'm like, it was snowing, but is that enough? Like, okay. He remains a mystery to me, but I, I will say We'll get to him, I guess, in just a few minutes here. But I, this would not have been what it was for you, the first gong that the Winter Soldier was coming, this museum scene. It would just be like a nice moment to think about people that I wish we had had more time with and that they were gone. And it's also Steve kind of just revisiting the past because he goes from here to Peggy. And he was going to do that in Avengers. If you remember that podcast, Joss had written and I think filmed a scene where he goes and visits Peggy now so many years later. Here, it's not their first meeting, so that scene in Avengers could still have happened. And she's she's not doing so well. She's... Really old and Alzheimer-y and... Super old, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's 95, and, you know, I think this is a sweet scene. I think this is exactly the way to handle it. Exactly right. You know, he obviously can't be with her. He still loves her, but it's a past love. She remarried. It's She's in the footage of the museum. She talks about how, you know, she went on and helped founded S.H.I.E.L.D. I love the line that he makes at some point saying the reason he stayed in S.H.I.E.L.D. is because of her. I, I like her as a motivator more than I ever liked her as a love interest. I didn't believe their love, but I love the fact that he stayed with S.H.I.E.L.D. because of her. You know what he says he's still waiting for that last dance? It's a sweet moment. Like, I get, there is a sweetness to it. I do feel like there is still a love, like, more than just a friendship love. There, He still has feelings for her, and it does come off in this moment. It's why he's not dating any of those girls Widow is trying to set him up with. And I gotta give Chris Evans some serious props. I mean, I've been kind of ripping on him way back since our Fantastic Four days. Deservedly. I mean... Not totally blameless. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It wasn't a shining moment for anyone. (laughs) But this guy can act. That scene with Peggy, when she goes through and has her little mental break after telling him, you know, she imparts a lot of wisdom, like, we messed it up, and you cleaned it up, and we did our best. Sometimes the best you can do is start over. But then when she just suddenly forgets they're having a conversation and is all, you're alive, you came back, he has a facial expression that conveys 50 emotions in a fraction of a second. And I'm like, God damn, that guy has really learned to convey emotion and character through performance. I never think Johnny Storm with his performance anymore, and I think he is really 
convincing me of all dimensions of this character, not just goody two shoes Captain America. Yeah, you know, I think of him like a Redford. You know, I think of him as a movie star that's really good at it. You know, he's not a chameleon. I've seen him do little indie movies and I didn't think he was very good. I don't think he's one of our greatest actors, but yeah. He knows how to do this job, and he's really good at selling this character. I'm totally with him in all facets. The action, the squareness, the humor, all of it. Yeah, he's great in this movie, and this movie allows him to be even greater because it's so good. Yeah, I mean, it looks like he wants to cry, but then he has to put on the brave face for his best girl. I just, uh, really, really good stuff. Because he's going to go on an emotional journey in this movie. I mean, it's not just about the conspiracy. It's about his past and his path. I mean, he's thinking about retiring after this conversation with Fury, which is why he goes back to visit Sam at the VA. And that's also what he's busy doing when Fury gets his action scene. Damn, what an action scene this is. Like, just the action here, The again, the brutality of it yes. you know sam jackson sitting in his mercedes suv or whatever that thing was i'm sure there's some tie-in it was night rider right i mean yeah I, I love that like these cops they surround him they start firing and like dang that thing is strong and it's yeah it's doing the readouts it's like 20 percent integrity 19 percent integrity he's talking to the car i mean machine guns popping up out of that thing i love the moment where fury he finally gets away there's this car chase and he tells the car to go into hover mode i'm like oh man this can be awesome but of course it's broken at this point it's a great action piece oh awesome awesome action piece yeah it's a frightening scene and again it does make you check the rating i i yes seeing anybody in this universe get a machine gun and just mowing down people however bad they are cops at least people dressed in cop uniforms yeah exactly i i felt like again they're preying on the things of our times it's a, it felt a little trayvon martin you know the, the thing started with a joke and racial profiling he's like would you like to see my lease I mean, I feel like it continues this whole idea of surveillance and who does has the right to profile somebody else here. It's it's deftly done. But yeah, it explodes into the scene I was not prepared for and ends with the arrival of the Winter Soldier. I almost feel like he's an afterthought here. He doesn't really get a big battle in, but he, he does make you fear what he could do when he does get that moment. But yeah, there, this brutality, I mean, it starts off with him, what, fracturing his arm and having to give himself some shot. I mean, he gets injured right away. And then that Winter Soldier, I think this is how you build up a bad guy. He's the ultimate bad all the lower troops they couldn't stop fury so here's the one guy that's able to just with one shot of his gun take him out yeah i love this car chase though that like the police cars have him boxed in and the car says approaching intersection he slams him man god dang does the truck just mow those cop cars down yes it's this is something that i think will scare little children this is a violent film. It feels like R, even though we're not seeing blood. It feels like that level. And so, yeah, be warned. Or it feels like Dark Knight, right? The car chase in Dark Knight? Which probably should have been R. <laughs> yes. I got it on the boat a little, but I really got it in this scene that they're, they're, they're going for it. They're going for the jugular. And the introduction of Winter Soldier, the score just goes silent. You know, it almost, the whole movie goes silent. He just walks up in slow-mo and with one shot, he does what all those other guys couldn't do flips Fury's vehicle, man, and rips off the door with that metal arm. Yeah, he's going to do quite a bit of badass things in this film. This is the first time to realize he is someone to really be reckoned with. I don't quite go with how Fury escapes. Oh, he pulls out a lightsaber. He's Mace Windu. 
And he cuts a hole through the car, through the cement, in a matter of seconds, and Winter Soldier, this great assassin, doesn't go, well, I'll follow him down that hole. Oh, crap, there's a rabbit hole, he got away. An injured man, yeah. I was trying to tell, was there a cover there? Did he actually cut through the cement? I thought it might just be a manhole, and he cut through that metal grating. His car just happened to come to a stop on a manhole? Hey. We've seen worse in movies. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't go with this. You you have to suspend your... We're in a movie, okay, Artie? We're in a movie. Yes, it's a silly moment. But he doesn't just let him go. He does tail him. That's the next scene is he gets his kill in. He doesn't let it. He knows exactly where he's going. I think he's following him. He wants to see what he's going to do. One more thing about this scene, though. This... Uh, chase it in the car. It's one of the few times where I felt like the 3D was effective. I love the way that we first are looking at things through a broken windshield and they do a whip focus and suddenly we see him standing in front of him. It's the one time that I really felt like dimension was played with. I, For a large amount of this movie, I ignored the 3D as I always seem to do on these post-conversion jobs. But that 3D contributed to the excitement of this moment. Yeah, the 3D had some good moments here. By and large, it was there. I didn't really notice it. There was one scene on the boat where Cap throws his shield through a window. There's a lot of breaking glass in this movie. Yeah. But when, when glass breaks, the 3D's effective in it. <laughs> I think that's what we're saying is, yes, we do more windshield stuff if you're going to do this 3D stuff. But he follows Fury and Fury dies or gets shot. We're not totally sure, but he shows up at Captain America's apartment to pass him the key card and, and basically die. This is normally the end of a character. Did you think he was gone? No, because I saw the trailer. And I knew there was a scene they hadn't shown yet of him laying in a bed. Oh, there have been so many trailers with scenes, though, that have been cut. I always, my go-to is Major League. That ball wouldn't have been out of a lot of parks. Name one, Yellowstone. <laughs> That's your go-to That's for my okay. go-to for the ultimate cut scene not in a movie. Oh, my God. How much better that movie would have been if they had put it in. And it's already a great film. But I went in, and I knew Fury got beat up. Because in the trailer, they show that scene of them watching him on the operating table. And so I knew he got beat up, but I thought he wouldn't die. And when they kill him and have the scene with the body, I'm not thinking about the trailers. This movie has engrossed me to the point that I'm not thinking of all of those lines from the trailers that we haven't heard him say yet. Looks like you're giving the orders now, Cap. There's so many that when the movie continued later on and he's alive, I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that now. But at the moment he died, I'm thinking, shit, they killed him. It makes sense. I knew he was expensive. He's been around for a while. Killing a character really ups the stakes. Look at Coulson. Who's in the TV show, so. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't going to be when they killed him. They didn't kill him with the intent of a TV show. Yeah. I, I never bought Coulson was killed. I don't know. Unless there's a funeral scene, I, I'm not buying that Fury is dead either. And my fourth reviewer is right there with you, because in the middle, <laughs> shit, he ain't dead. Okay. See? <laughs> I, I'm glad that's who's syncing up with me. <laughs> I thought Sam Jackson could be done. It seemed to me like, yeah, with his age, given what it is, it would not have shocked me. I wasn't emotionally into it either way. It was a plot development to me is how I experienced it. Don't trust anyone. It basically, what he does is explain what you guys have always had a problem with with these Marvel movies. The reason why one doesn't go to reach out to the other Avengers. He's not going to call up Iron Man or Thor or Hulk because he can't trust any single person. He has to do the mission on his own now. And I don't have a problem this time with it not 
tying into those other characters. I just feel like this is a conspiracy. There are secrets here. Cap doesn't even know what's going on at this point. Why would you call anyone in? You're still investigating. So that that never did cross my mind. I did think they were going to pull a Last Crusade, Indiana Jones the Last Crusade here, where he's like, don't trust anyone, and Fury might end up being the villain, because that's exactly what happens in Last Crusade. But then you also get Captain America has this, what, nurse? That's a neighbor of his, and she busts in as soon as the firing starts going on, the shooting goes on, she busts in with a gun. So I'm like, damn, is she a bad guy? Who is there really no one he can trust? I, I didn't feel any emotion for Sam Jackson dying, no. but the, the fact that she bursted right after dropping that line and firing, it did get me worried. Like, is Black Widow going to turn? Is there really no one you could trust? Because you don't know what's going on at this point. Yeah, Captain America gets called into Redford's office, and he sees it. He's like, hello, neighbor. And yeah, she passes him in the hall and it's like yeah there is a reason to double think all of the relationships that he has that there's no reason to believe that anyone is trustworthy now i'm gonna go with scarlett johansson i do believe she's the one that he can trust and i know they've got anthony mackie in in his pocket i know he'll get back to sam wilson eventually surprised how long it takes for him to do that but i know that those are going to be the allies but yeah every single other person including that neighbor is someone that i think is in on it now that neighbor her name's sharon agent 13 we've don't seen spoil her it. don't spoil it i'm just gonna say we've seen her before in a captain america film she yes. was with jd salinger's son remember that blonde no i remember nothing about that movie though well, then you'll, you will be surprised in Captain America 3. Yes, I won't spoil it the way we spoiled Winter Soldier, but if you go back and re-listen to our podcast, it will be spoiled. Oh, she's going to be somebody? See, I thought this was a bid for ABC. She's on another ABC show called Revenge, and I just thought it was a one-for-one. One. I'm like, if you're going to put Marvel on TV, you got to put some of our TV in your Marvel. No, nope. She's being set up for future sequels. Okay. Yeah, as soon as they dropped Agent 13, I'm like, okay, she can't be trusted. But it was it was a while until they dropped that. Yeah, and I wasn't sure about Black Widow. I would have actually preferred this movie if Black Widow had been a little bit more duplicitous. But she was too big a part of Avengers to not be trustworthy outside of this movie. But Cap doesn't immediately trust her in this movie. I wish I hadn't. Yeah, and I love her coming back. He goes, you know, he hid the thing in the in the vending machine, and her coming up behind him blowing a bubble. Yeah, it was behind eight packs of Hubba Bubba. Is Hubba Bubba not popular? Does Cap know it's not popular? Is that why we went with Hubba Bubba instead of, like, Twix or something? I'm like, that is a risky move. Yeah, if Hubba Bubba had paid for their product to be displayed in such a way, they might want to double-think that. They're, he's basically saying this is something nobody wants to buy. <laughs> But this is act two now. We're now, they're partnered off and they're, they're going to figure out what's going on. And we've already sort of talked about it. It comes in piecemeals. Everything we've discussed, this conspiracy, starting with Redford is the first one to sort of get the ball rolling, explaining how Fury might have gone bad and that he had put the money to pay for the French to take the boat in the first place. Yeah, th again, another exciting action piece where he confronts Cap, and, you know, we've seen some of this on the trailers with Cap in the elevator. I love how it plays out, though. Like, not, you know, just seeing the trailer, you think it's going to go one way, but I love, like, every floor it stops at, and more guys get on the elevator. And they're all stuntmen. They're all these big, beefy guys yes. that if you were on a real elevator, you would not want them joining you on the elevator. It's going to get real crowded real fast. See, I had the opposite reaction. They had had this scene. It wasn't just in a trailer. This was a scene that they put in front of Thor, the Dark World, in the IMAX show. That's they, right. They did. They showed the whole thing. I knew I'd seen it. Yeah. You've seen it before if you pay that 
premium to do Thor that way. But yeah, I mean, did they really think they were going to take Captain America down with 12 guys and a magnetic cuff? I just. They're big dudes. One of them is Brock Rumlow, though. We haven't talked about him. He's actually kind of a nice, affable presence. The very military guy who has Cap's back on the boat has a couple funny lines and to comic people he's important yeah if you're a comic person you know that he can't be trusted as soon as they drop his name another captain america villain oh okay no no inkling on that i just know the actor frank grillo i've liked him he was in the gray if you saw that yes, william yes. in the wolves and warrior he had a nice supporting turn in that he's an up-and-comer i like him and i liked him here i wanted to like him here i feel like he's relegated to that unfun part of just being the thug in the background but he's cool and he's threatening I love the elevator fight, though. I think it's really funny. I like to see Cap be smart. You know, he got the super soldier serum, but noticing this guy's sweating. That guy has his hand on his gun, offering them the chance to get off first. And to have such a intense fight in closed space is still the world's biggest elevator. But... <laughs> To be in that cramped space with all those guys and it ends with him and Brock going at it, I thought that was exciting. I do think that it's a little fast. Pierce jumps to the let's kill our best people really fast. Fury gets a thumb drive and wants to delay Project Insight. Let's kill him. Cap just won't say what Fury was doing. All right, let's kill him. It's it's a, it's a manhunt, though. They're not trying to kill him. They're trying to quarantine. He's a fugitive is what they're telling the people. And that's why we know Agent 13 is one of the good guys, because she's the one asking questions. Why are we pursuing Steve Rogers? We know he's an altruistic person. And the reason is he's not conveying all of his information. He's not talking. Yeah, at this point, we haven't found out about Hydra, so I am wondering, I'm like, why are they turning on him so quick? Like, why are they so willing? I guess Pierce just has that power. He's the, you know, the president or whatever, the director of S.H.I.E.L.D., so they got to do what he says. They're just taking orders. Maybe it was Arnim Zola's algorithm. Maybe they're like, you know, <laughs> just kill him now. Because, I mean, you say they're trying to capture him. They shoot at him with a Quinjet. They they take a jet after him. Oh, I love that. You know, this reminded me of Civil War, another Marvel storyline where they turn against Captain America. America shield does and they go after him there's a great scene where he's like jumping on a jet and riding on it and it is again exciting action seeing him not just take out this jet but jumping on it throwing his frisbee shield around taking out all the jets and oh. just getting back on his motorcycle i do love it i wasn't thinking civil war because i'm not the comic guy but now that you mention it in civil war he jumped out of a shield window yep and he does that here I, I do think his shield is a little too magical. He falls, what, 26 stories and just lands on the shield? He, he groans a little. Yeah, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's the shield that's saved. I, it's just, he's so strong. I, I, you know, I think he does have super strength. I get it though. You know, he's going to get beat up in this film and he keeps going, but I think that's more the serum than the shield helping him. I'm presuming that this is a first as far as putting Captain America in an Apple store though, right? <laughs> they didn't do this in the comics. I'm going to guess that they did, this was created by marketers for this movie but it's I, I i found the scene very funny as somebody who's been in apple stores and had to deal with the apple geniuses yeah i'm glad someone at apple who approved this has a sense of humor about their geniuses yeah well it's hardly a progressive uh statement about computer nerds but you know it actually the ones in la are, are very different they look more like the specimens that uh, he describes chris evans being but no i get that they got to work it in here and it's they need to solve this piece about what is on the thumb drive it gets them to new jersey basically it gets him back 
to Camp Lee, which was something I wasn't expecting, but it's a nice, again, if you hadn't seen the first Captain America movie, they're now going to catch you up with how he became a super soldier to begin with. Was that Chris Evans' head on a thin body in that one scene? Because if that's the case, because it was sepia tone, it was like a ghost from the past running past him. I couldn't tell if that was him or if they just grabbed somebody who looked close enough. No, that that looked like his head on the body. I mean, isn't that how they did it with the first one? It is, but it doesn't look as convincing. I don't know. I complimented it in the first Cap podcast. But yeah, and they do a flashback later. It's the one scene I would demand that they cut. They do a flashback to Bucky and him talking about burying his mother or something like that. Yeah, that stuff doesn't look very good, actually. I thought it did in the first Captain America movie, but the scrawny body and regular head on there, it just some something about it is awkward, like E.T. or something like that. He just looked like E.T. to me. Maybe they just didn't devote as much money to it because it wasn't as pivotal for this film as yes, it was in the last. that's what it felt like. So don't do it. <laughs> Since we are talking about Chris Evans' physique, is that his real, like, there is a scene coming up where he takes his shirt off is that his real body? Because this dude is giving Chris Hemsworth a run for his money. This guy is jacked up. He is huge. A lot of chicken and low sugar fruits is what he said. Yeah, we'll see. Man, I'm going to eat a lot more chicken then. <laughs> I don't know what he did. He definitely looks built for this movie, but not overly so. Oh, but when he, when he had his shirt off, those shoulders are huge. I mean, I could not believe how big he was. But not impossible to achieve. I mean, you, you live in L.A., you see these people working out <laughs> next yes, to you. Yes, go to Venice Beach and Muscle Beach, yes, yeah. They're they're there. Uh, it, it's not impossible that he achieved that naturally, but I don't. obviously none of us knows what he did. He looks great in the movie. I was just excited, you know, to get back to the plot there. I couldn't believe we talked last time about Arnim Zola, yeah. the Nazi scientist. <laughs> and we laughed because there was a drawing of a robot with a TV screen on the chest. And there's certain Captain America villains. Modoc is one. Arnim Zola is another that are just too kooky, I think, to fit in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. They pull it off here. Yeah. I love how they do it. Artem Zola has a camera for a head and a TV for a chest with a face. Like, Stuart, you would have been on the floor, like, rolling in the popcorn down there. Yeah, I mean, it's a walking humanoid robot with the face in the chest and a camera for a head. He's a Teletubby, basically, is what you're telling me? Okay, yeah, that is dumb. I'm glad they didn't do that. I love how they came up with a solution here, though. Like, you say Modoc's ridiculous looking. He is. I got faith that someone would figure out how to do a good version of him for these films that they need to. It was rumored very early on. The screenwriter was saying he's trying to convince Kevin Feige they could pull off Modoc. But my jaw again hit the floor. I had no idea they were going to do Arnim Zola. And once they do it, and they do it believably as that computer simulation, I wouldn't have been shocked or surprised if a robot walked out and started to attack them. I don't even think I would have thought it was silly. (laughs) But they kill him real quick. I mean, this guy's gone because they're firing missiles into the base. And so whatever got uploaded to this mainframe is completely obliterated after this scene. We won't be seeing Zola again. Theoretically. Come on. He had that new thumb drive there might have been a cable modem somewhere where he could download they stick the thumb drive into him so he could have uploaded his consciousness onto there there's always some out if they want to bring him back oh trust me after they do what they do to fury i know that nobody is ever dead (laughs) ever it's comic books that's how it works i don't know that they'll need him again god knows 
with Brock Rumlow and Agent 13 and all these other people. Yeah, they still have the Red Skull they could bring back. Yeah, they're stuffing this Marvel Cinematic Universe to the point of bursting. I don't know that they need to bring back Arnim Zola, but if they wanted to bring back Arnim Zola, I think they could. Is that actor too big for TV? Maybe he can go to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. But... No, this is another case where I feel the shield protected him a little too much. Missile strike, tiny shield. He jumped into a hole. Again, it's not just him holding that shield and protecting him and Black Widow. There, There is a basement in the basement. Again, it's a comic book movie. I'm not going to get too up in arms over it. Yeah, I mean, Arnie, if you held up the shield and tried to protect yourself, you would be crushed and be dead. <laughs> it's Captain America. He's a superhero. He is beyond human capacity. So I go with it. Now, I do have to ask, Sam Wilson is not a super. They didn't inject him with anything. He, he doesn't have magical powers. That's why he lags behind him when they're running. Uh, his magic superhero-ness is the fact that he can put on some cyber wings, right? Yeah, he's like he's like an Iron Man 2.0 or something. <laughs> I expected them to say Stark developed those wings. I was waiting yeah. for that line. Okay. Uh, you know, normally this is the kind of thing I would laugh at, but uh, the actor is so good in the part, and they set it up so well with the Sitwell thing, where they threaten to throw him off the roof, and then Widow does push him off the roof, so when he flies in there we're just so relieved that they didn't kill somebody that i may i'm not heckling the idea that a man's going to put on a falcon outfit so this is a big character they had to include him because they didn't have to but he is a regular character in captain america okay and i love his suit in this i didn't think i would i thought i'd find it silly Mm -hmm. but when we get to that climax and he's flying and banking and i love that he like turns the wings on and off you know he's plummeting and then he's gliding and then he's flying again it's like a constant transformer i believe that suit i think he is badass in that suit with those guns i love what they did with him and i went in expecting to have your reaction well here's the thing they set him up as a very realistic coming home character you know he talks about that he was flying during iraq afghanistan this is how he looked it's retroactively i'm going back and going his partner got shut down in in that outfit i just sort of diminishes the realism of him being a war vet by being this is how he served i I guess i'd have to ask what were you expecting i mean there's this whole scene black widow and captain america go to sam wilson's place and they you know he's like i got this piece of equipment that we got to extract and it says falcon on there i didn't know i thought it was a ship so you thought he would come out with an airplane that they were going to go get yeah i thought it was an airplane okay i love that they say that that suit is like behind three (laughs) armed guard gates and 12 inches of steel they don't even bother showing us widow and cap are like not a problem next scene he has it they don't even had to make it another action scene so this is where you find out sitwell and gary shanley whatever Senator Stern, we find this is where we find out, you know, they're all part of Hydra. I love that Shandling came back. I wish he would stop doing whatever he's doing to himself to look like an alien (laughs) from Men in Black. What is wrong with his face? It's it's worse than Robert Redford's man. It is. He looks like a human slug now, and I love Gary Shandling in the 80s and 90s. That's the word. There is something bulbous and slimy (laughs) and just not human-shaped anymore. It's alarming, but love him. Love him here. It's like Slither. He needs... Yes, it it does have that quality. I, but yeah, great fun and and a, a real sense of humor about himself that he's joking about banging some twenty three 
year old wannabe journalist and then Hail Hydra. I mean, we already thought low of him. Now that he's a Nazi, it, yeah. it just, it, it, it makes it even more. It, it's, it's a fun callback to a different series. I mean, it's from yeah. Iron Man. I right. never expected Gary Shandling to show up again. I, right. I don't expect him to live much longer the way he looks, but <laughs> I didn't expect him to show up again to have him here to make him a Hydra senator. A lot of fun. Yeah, I, I agree. But it gives some real gravitas to Sitwell, too, because up to this point, he seemed like a comic relief character, basically better served on television and extras on DVDs. And now, you know, I don't know that I buy that he's been harboring these evil thoughts, but at least they give him something to do here. And he does. He, I don't understand a lot of what he says, but I did catch two words. Steve Strange. Yeah. So, has it been confirmed that there's a Doctor Strange movie? I know it's been rumored. Has that been confirmed? It's fairly confirmed, but it's not fully announced. You know, it's like one of those, the only things we know are Avengers 2, Ant-Man, Cap 3. But they're talking Doctor Strange, they're talking Thor 3, you know. That, Come on, if they could do Ant-Man, they could get a Doctor Strange movie. I think it'll be a Black Widow thing. I think they will try him out in someone else's movie first. But it's coming. I have no doubt after this. I got really excited for a second. Like, oh, Doctor Strange. Yes. I, I thought of you when they said it. I couldn't believe they said it. And Yes. But they give it to the guy who's most ingratiated in this whole universe. He's been in the mini movies. He's been on TV. He's seen Doctor Strange. Yeah. Okay. And he's the one that basically kind of underlines what the algorithm is going to do. Our, our 21st century, I love this metaphor, it's a digital book. And everything's out there in social media and, and print. They're basically going to do what Nazis have always done. They're going to look at the genetics of people, but this time they're going to do it by checking out their Facebook. I, I had to wonder, I, am I going to be the first ones targeted for all the shitty things I've said about Marvel properties? <laughs> I, I thought there might be a target on my head once I learned what was going on here. And I love that they tied in that... Hydra killed Tony Stark's dad, Howard Stark. If you go back to the old shows, I said that I thought Jeff Bridges should have been in on it, responsible for that murder, make it a murder instead of a car accident. Here it's revealed it was Hydra. My question is, is there a sense that are they just going after other superheroes, people that are showing signs? I mean, because Marvel doesn't own the X-Men property for the cinematic universe, are they going to wipe out every X-Man with this machine? Where is it just people that were smart and might cause uprisings? It is like that X thing that he goes into, right? That he can see all the mutants. That's what it felt like. It yeah. felt like a machine, a floating machine version of what Professor X does when he rolls into that room. But this is where the metaphor breaks down, isn't it? This is where it goes into super comic booky land. The thought that these helicarriers from the sky are going to rain down death on millions of people and the billions that are left are going to go, all right, I'm good with that. Yeah, that's what I didn't get. They, it sounds like they're going to just do one strike. They're going to kill yes. 20, what, million people at once and people are going to be like, Okay, that's cool. I feel like I'm free, but I'm really a slave. Like, they do no, this no, whole no, metaphor. No. It doesn't matter what we think about it. It will be done. There will be no more emerging superheroes. Everyone that's left over, like, Stuart in LA is going to see 20 million people die and go, okay, no, I'm cool with that. I still feel free. I, I'm, I'm not motivated to uprise against Hydra now. <laughs> uh, no, I'm not going to uprise either because it will, with a flick of the switch, I'll be down rising instantly. I mean, what can you do at that point? How could you rebel? You 
you're going to have a protest march? Well, that's shooting them in a barrel, right? I mean, there's. I just felt like the metaphor they were going for, though, was that we you don't have to do something crazy to keep people subdued. Right. Just let them think they're free, and you have these subtle tactics. Killing 20 million people or however many million it was isn't a subtle tactic. Like, I would think that would motivate people. Yeah. That would light up Twitter. I agree. I got the crosshairs on me at all times, so maybe I'll shut up and not post to Twitter. Well, the only thing I could say is my thought is people would rebel, and so therefore I would have been killed, like Stuart said. Anyone who would stand up, anyone who's not a sheep would be killed, or it would be Hydra. And the rest, they're just going to be so happy with their current life that they're fine with it. I mean, I suppose you could take a look at the global warming situation and the fact that, according to studies I've read, we're f- because the people in power are so happy with their current life that they don't care what happens generations from now. They don't want to change the status quo and reduce their earnings by looking at alternative fuels. And by the time we reach the critical mass, it's too late and society is going to fall. I've read that about global warming. I've read that about the current death of the middle class, the widening economic gap. I mean, they keep saying that the people in power are so entrenched and so liking of their power that they don't care that it's all going to hell. So I guess it's that mentality they're playing off of. To me, it makes perfect sense. I like the metaphor. They compare it, bring it back to World War II. It was always about suppressing people. It was always about having a, a leader keep them down. But fighting that battle is too impossible because when people feel that their freedom is threatened, they get patriotic and they go at it. They've been able to get to this point. It was all about just being able to get it greenlit. Now that they got the thing in the sky, they don't care what people think about it. It's not about duping people into thinking that they're still free at that point. What are you going to – there's nothing else you can do. You gave it up when you let S.H.I.E.L.D. build the thing. It seems a little bit comic booky, but they've well, given me so much believable realism so far that I'm actually going with it. They're not going for DC, though. It's not Dark Knight. It's not Nolan. They don't want to make it real. They're fine with them still being a comic book plot. They're doing it their own way. It's Dark Knight by way of Marvel. They're they're fine with it being over-the-top, fantastical James Bond kind of villain. And I am, too. Uh, it's a nice threat. Uh, unlike even some of the best Marvel movies, like Iron Man or, or Avengers, I feel like this is a credible threat as opposed to Chitauri or Jeff Bridges in another suit. There, I completely agree. Plus, I don't have a whole lot of time to think about it before we get the best action spectacle of the film. Winter Soldier kills Sitwell and goes to town on the group. I mean, this is another... It starts off with another great car chase. I didn't think that they could do a better car chase than with Nick Fury. They come close. Yeah, you're not going to find any criticism from me for any of these action scenes. Again, Mm -hmm. another stellar one. They raise stakes. I mean, Black Widow does get shot. She doesn't die, but she gets shot through the shoulder here. I mean, they're willing to put it out there more so than I would think now that Marvel is owned by Disney that they'd be willing to do that. That's what's so surprising to me about this film is how much they push the boundaries from the last two Marvel Disney films we've had to watch. Right. And this is also where she gets a shot in. She's not just a victim. She gets his glasses. And so he has to take it off. This is where they make the revelation. If you haven't guessed yet, it's at the climax of this scene where Captain realizes and maybe much of the audience realizes the Winter Soldier is Bucky. Yeah. What did what did your fourth reviewer? Again, it's his friend. <laughs> I'm glad she could recognize him. I He's very different. The long hair and the stubble and that whole outfit. He looks 
nothing, nothing like his former self. No, I'm just trying to place which hair metal band he was in. Yeah, yeah. it's it's some new metal band. That's what it is. In you with the umlauts above it. They're big in Japan. Yeah. And speaking of music, I really want to call out the score. I love the score. It started with the shield chase on the rooftops where Cap was chasing after Winter Soldier. They have this shriek sound they add to the music when Winter Soldier is doing badass things that really works for me. Yeah, that's the part I like. I don't remember. Most of the score just feels like trumpets and kind of patriotic action, whatever. But yeah, his kind of like electronic, like growly thing. I can't do it, but it was, yeah. it was, he has a theme and it isn't notes of music. It's more like a sound effect and it's cool. Yeah. It's got the shriek. It's got some electric guitars. It really enhances. And you could just tell if you pay attention to the music the second time you watch the film. Listen to how the score does change, and you can tell when Winter Soldier's coming before he shows up, they cue him with the music. Now, we've mentioned Dark Knight. I've got to say, I was definitely thinking about Gordon's death when Fury comes back. They took this, right? (laughs) Let's kill him in the first act, and then he comes back in the third. I won't say I'm pissed off, but it did make me realize they're never going to fool me again. I'm never going to believe they're going to kill a character. And and how did he get away with it? We did see him die on the operating table. That was a dummy. That was a he was no, he was no, well he, enough to pretend that he was going to fake his own death, and then they were going to really go heal him somewhere else where no one was looking. They do drop a line. He took some magic pill or something that dropped his heartbeat to once per minute, so he, he would appear dead. And yeah, then I just assumed he had people he could trust that would extract him from the morgue or wherever. Yeah, that was a bit much. I honestly think I remember Adam West had that same pill back in Batman 66, but... You don't take that pill when you're bleeding out. I mean, you can fake that you're dying when, like, you're healthy, but... He's Nick motherfucking Fury! (laughs) All right, I'm not going to debate it. Comic book movie, but that, to me, was a step beyond. If you had a problem with some of this drone stuff in the air, I thought that that was a little bit soap opera. My question is, and I, I haven't seen Avengers since it came out in theater, was there something between him and Black Widow? Because they do have a pretty strong relationship in this film that I don't remember having seen in previous ones. She was, like, torn up when we thought he had died. She's, you know, hugging him when they find out he's still alive. These two have a history. Is this the first time we've really seen that? It is in the movies. I'd look to you to see if the comics... Well, yeah, the comics are different. I'm I'm focusing on this cinematic universe. From Iron Man 2, he's been her boss. She kind of discusses in this film, and it was mentioned in Avengers, that she had a KGB past. Here she goes. She thought she'd gone to the right side. It was Fury who recruited her. So I think that in some ways he was like a father figure to her is what I'm taking from it. Maybe we'll get that in the Black Widow movie then. That's exactly what I'm thinking, except I'm hoping it's a prequel because it seems like, yeah, all of this stuff has already happened in the past. We'll get enough of her in the future movies, but yeah, I want an origin story for how she came to be. Oh, uh, and from the fourth reviewer, we see Nick Fury in bed. I told you he wasn't dead! <laughs> she told the whole theater. <laughs> I w- Yeah, I wish she's on the commentary track when they release this on DVD. <laughs> And I already complimented the parody of the Smithsonian exhibit, but they actually work it into the plot here. They're going to go to battle. We got to have an Act 3 blowout, but he's not going to do it without a uniform. This was great for so many reasons. Stan Lee cameo, getting him back in the old suit, making that exhibit pay off in the plot. I love this bit. Yeah, Stan Lee is the security guard. I had to figure this out because the first time I watched the movie, I'm like, well, he's getting in the old duds because they want to sell action figures because they want to be the iconic Captain America suit. I didn't get it. 
but I'll bring in some toy knowledge. The blue outfit <laughs> he wore is called his strike suit. It's what he wears as part of the strike team. It's his shield given outfit. So now that he's going to not just take down Hydra, but take down S.H.I.E.L.D., he's going back to his original roots, his original idealism. He'd been compromised. It reflected in his yeah. clothes. Oh, yeah. No, I totally. That's yeah. That's what I love about this. He wants to get S.H.I.E.L.D. back to when it was a good war. You know, let's face it. World War Two was the last good war. And everything that's happened to us since is, you know, and this is a fanciful notion of history. But the but the popular notion is that everything that we've done since has compromised America. America. So yes, he's going to get us back to the red, white, and blue here. I think, you know, it, it may not work for you as a history lesson, but I think for the tone of this movie and what they can accomplish in an action spectacular, I think this was totally the right take for how to blow out the rest of the film. I was just glad that the Smithsonian was something other than a previously on Captain America device. They, the setup paid off in the third act. Yeah. And then we get back to Triskelion, Triskelin, Triskelion, <laughs> Trisca, the building. We know the coordinates, but we don't know the pronunciation. <laughs> is it, yeah, is it some kind of oyster, <laughs> scallion? Yeah. But anyway, uh, and this is where uh, if, if Captain America is going to get back into his suit, Scarlett Johansson is going to borrow Mystique's. She's got the blue suit and the red hair here. I really <laughs> felt like she was doing a Mystique thing when she tricks them into being one of the council members. She's basically going to crash... Robert Redford's uh, champagne toast for launching the super drum. You're thinking Mystique. I'm thinking David Hasselhoff. Wasn't this the big thing in David Hasselhoff was all the fake masks? It was... Don't ask me about any of those movies. <laughs> I don't remember them. The only one I remember is Doctor Strange. Yeah, that that did catch me by surprise until Pierce pulled out the gun to shoot one of the council members and that old lady started kicking butt. I'm like, all right. That's Black Widow. Oh, lady, that's Jenny Aguilar. She was in Logan's Run, and uh... okay, Logan's Run was how long ago? I remember <laughs> watching that as a kid. She was the mother from Child's Play Two, the stepmother. Fair enough. You know, because we get all these characters. We get Falcon. He's off flying around. One of the helicarriers, Captain America's on the other. We, Maria Hill even shows up. She disguises herself as the security guard in an earlier action scene to use the lightsaber and free the trio. Stuart, you called her Uhura in Avengers. Oh yeah. That is her total role here. I was thinking of her the whole time. That's true. Yeah, she's just yeah. talking to everyone over the headset. She, she's just sitting at the computer going... You got that uploaded yet? Come on, guys. Yeah. She never leaves the station. She shoots two people who come into her room. Not every Marvel character is super. Not everyone is going to get their own spinoff. She's the TV one, right? Like, she's done with How I Met Your Mother. They can put her on the second season of S.H.I.E.L.D. if they want to. She does nothing in the films. Let's give her something on TV. Yeah. But this whole ending feels so video game. We have three keys. You must go on these three missions. It, it, it felt like the setup for an, a Halo mission. Here's what works for me, because I totally agree with you, Arnie, that this does feel video game. And my biggest criticism I, for the Marvel films that I have liked is their third acts have never really worked for me. I mean... Iron Man versus Jeff Bridges. All right. Two Iron Men fighting. You know, Avengers, we kill the mothership and all the Chitauri just shut down. Not very satisfying. Flying mopeds that can't turn. Yeah. <laughs> Here's another one where, okay, we got to switch three microchips so it changes the targeting system. What works for me here, we haven't talked about the Winter Soldier. This is subtitled The Winter Soldier. He shows up now and then and has some kick-ass action scenes, but he is what separates this one from those other films where I feel the third acts don't really work. I, I'm i not too engaged. I'm enjoying the action, but okay, we got to switch out three microchips. I Whatever. Okay. But it's this 
conflict, and this comes straight from the comic, you know, Captain America, he does not want to kill the Winter Soldier. There's He teams up with Agent 13 in the comic, and Agent 13's like, Bucky's mind is gone. We just need to kill him. It's just a shell. It's just a body. And Captain America's like, no, I got to do everything I need to to get through to him. I think his mind is still in there. I don't know if that conflict comes through quite as strong in this film. We get this scene with Bucky where he's getting brainwashed. He's getting electric shock therapy to kind of brainwash him again. But to me, that that is the core of the story. What will Captain America have to do to turn Bucky? Or is he willing to sacrifice himself? Is he willing to die to not kill Bucky? And again, PG-13, but Bucky just shooting him repeatedly, like taking uh. multiple bullets. Like that is what works for this third act is that personal story between these two characters. I'm going to agree and disagree. I love the personal story. When Cap gets shot and goes down, I mean... I'm thinking he gets shot once and he keeps going. I'm like, he's a super soldier, but there's a limit. When he gets that second shot and he can't even continue on for a little bit, man, that is an amazing scene. But I think that despite having a video game setup, I'm loving the Falcon's action in the sky. I'm loving Cap's fighting. And when it gets down to Falcon versus, I'm going to call him Crossbones, Brock yes, Rumlow, but Crossbones, <laughs> and... Cap versus Winter Soldier. They just do the action so freaking well in this movie, beginning to end. I can't tell you what my favorite scene is. I think it's the street scene, but man, this is really good too. I do think Falcon and Crossbones get a little bit lost in it, but literally the building comes down <laughs> around them. I was surprised they didn't give Falcon more of an arc. You know, they start him off talking about how he lost his partner. His partner was shot down out of the sky. I was like, okay, they're telling me that he's going to rectify this. The catharsis is he's going to save Captain America. He never really has that moment, though. Yeah, he does. He does. He catches him at one eh, point when he's falling. But it was like planned. He's like, you ready to fly or something? I mean, it felt like a coordinated move. It felt like they had rehearsed on a trapeze. <laughs> it didn't feel like, man, Captain would have died if he didn't s step in there and and save his ass. I get what you're saying. It's not like he hadn't jumped out of a flying vehicle without a parachute earlier in the movie and been just fine. Right. <laughs> exactly. And he was over water again. Yeah, I just wish that they had given Falcon a little bit more of a moment. He would feel less of a stupid supporting character than they've written him. But again, I like the actor. I like the character. He's at least as good as Hawkeye. You know, <laughs> I think that's I think that's the bar you have to set. You got to be as good as a Hawkeye if you're going to be called an Avenger. And I still think, given that he's just a guy with mechanical wings, what they did with those wings works really freaking well. I thought it was exciting and well choreographed. Yeah, my only complaint is when it is just him versus crossbones i'm like oh another fight i mean there is so much going on i'm like one too many fights going on it is what hollywood does though they're topping each other and everyone's getting a fight the fight i don't understand is scarlett johansson how does she get out of the exploding name badge that's been pinned on her i had to see it the second time because i wondered that too first i wondered why he didn't kill her with everyone else right yeah exactly well he had to hit that button every time they were dropping one at a time he then you hit widow first yeah you start with her first you don't worry about the guy from pakistan yet that, that is true or you you have a better app that could kill everyone at once but what he says is he needs her to fly the chopper he's basically putting a gun to her head with his iphone 
and saying that you're going to fly me out of here. Pierce can't fly a chopper. Okay, I totally missed that. Okay. That makes more sense. Yep. Second viewing, because I'm like that. And she's had this thing. They, it's from the comic. She has the widow's sting where she can yeah. shock people. And we've seen it used here. Yeah, we see her use it on Bucky's arm earlier to kind of deactivate it. Yeah, it started as the wrist bracelets, but then she's throwing like little mini discs that do it. She shocks herself with one of those discs. And she hits the thing on her chest. And so when he looks at his phone, it says rebooting, which gives Fury just enough time. It's very convenient, but it's basically they dropped a line about an EMP earlier. By shocking herself, it took that badge offline for a second. Oh, she shocked herself. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you blink and I, you miss I, it. I couldn't understand. I'm just like, ah, eh, she got out of it. It doesn't matter. I'm sure, I'm <laughs> sure there's a reason. And if I watched it again, I would, I'm sure if I did what you did, Arnie, and went back, I would get it. It wasn't important to solve it, but it was kind of puzzling that it seemed almost too easy for her. I still don't get why they couldn't just get a bullet off before Pierce tap that button but yeah whatever bullets are pretty quick but yes while we're asking about things going on in that room widow is going to leak all the secrets onto the internet yes edward snowden the black widow and to do this it requires two people's authorization and they deleted fury's retinal scan but he has his other eye and he goes you need to keep both eyes open so if there's no retinal scan, what's going on here? I, I'm confused as to how Fury's able to override because he has a missing eye. Oh, I just figured it was because he had a secret bad eye retinal scan that they yes. never thought about because he only has one. Ah, that's what I took it as. He, I don't know. I knew it was magic. It's one of those things where he's like, he had a magic eye and it solved the problem. But I don't know what. I didn't understand it. I did like, you know, their relationship was really cool. I there's a lot of characters that define their relationships. With stories. I like this callback to Bogota and how basically Robert Redford says, hey, the reason I even became this super bad guy was because of you. You broke protocol and you got those hostages out and I learned that diplomacy doesn't work. And because of that, I've done everything else behind your back here. I thought that this was a humanizing moment. I thought it was strange that his final line is Heil Hydra. I never saw him as a Nazi. I saw him as a confused diplomat. And that's what I'm saying is they didn't even need that whole Hydra line. It could be that confused diplomat. That would have totally worked on that level. Yeah. And I don't know. It, it's weird. Are Hydra Nazis? Yes, they were started as the Nazi scientists. I don't know if they're Nazis anymore by this point. I mean, Sitwell, he doesn't look Aryan to me. It, yeah. It no, I It's get confusing. It. Yeah, it's the new, improved, modern Hydra. The multicultural Nazis. Mm -hmm. Gary Shandling. I mean, <laughs> come on. <laughs> yeah, if they're allowing human slugs in, then... <laughs> Anybody can be an Hydra. I still think that it would have made a bit more sense if he pulled off the mask and bed Red Skull. I wonder if that was in the original draft and Robert Redford's like, no, that's silly. I'm just going to be me. I think that would have been too much at this point. If they were going to do that, he can say Hydra. But if they weren't going to do that, cut that bit. That was the wrong last line for that character. But up to that point, I really liked his dialogue with Fury. But no, this entire ending, I mean, we could go through it punch by punch, but it's great. And it ends with Cap refusing to fight Bucky. He drops his shield out and lets Bucky just pummel him in the face. That's great for the character arc. He's been talking about how lost he's been. What does he have? Even if he succeeds from this mission, he's he's bored with it. What mattered to him was that original crew, and this was his best friend. I totally buy this moment of whatever you want to do to me, go ahead and do it. I'm either a mission to you or I'm a friend, but I'm not going to fight anymore. I thought that that was an excellent 
way for him to take a stance in this finale. We know that he can punch and kick and be a badass. This shows a real human side to him that I thought was a really nice development. And I love that line, you were my friend, you are my mission. That was really just a good turn of phrase. This is something, you know, as much as I love those Nolan Batman movies and we brought them up multiple times, I always felt like there was a cheat. Like they spent so much time talking about Batman doesn't kill. Oh, but he accidentally kills Two-Face. And then, oh, he lets Catwoman kill Bane to resolve that conflict. I, I feel like there is more integrity with how they solve this conflict here than Nolan was ever able to achieve with Batman. And that's one of the things I want to praise about this. That's why this final act is so engaging, even if it has this video game element. It's Captain America's willing to make that final sacrifice to try to turn his friend back to the light side. And I think it works so well. I like the scene of Cap just falling out of the helicarrier, floating in the water, and then what comes? You see the metal hand reaching to save him. Yeah, I agree. He would have let himself drown. There was nowhere else for that character to go. His life now is about Bucky, and even in the end, after this is all over with, he's not going to go off with Fury on another mission to catch Hydra. He's going to go find Bucky with Falcon. Is that what Fury's doing? I'm confused what Fury does here at the end. He burns his house. Do people know he's alive? Does everybody think he's dead? It didn't look like his house. Was was that his house? It looked like a safe house. It looked like a shipping container. Yeah, he had all those fake passports. Basically, everything that had just gotten leaked on the internet, it, there was no point to them anymore. He he would not be able to go out on a Jewish passport the way that they had. I'm like, really? Could he? Could, did that work before? But yeah, he burned the Hebrew passport. He burned all the passports. He knew that those other identities were gone and that he was going to have to get to France, I guess, basically on his own charisma. I'm sure he can. I'm sure he's going to talk some babes into boating him over there or something. But he'll get to France and have an adventure that will be implied on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. maybe, or a cartoon, <laughs> or maybe it's in Big Hero 6. I don't know where it will pop up, but I know what they're doing, and he's going to have his own separate adventure. I love how they faked his death with his tombstone. I, I didn't know if I saw it right. It said, you like, did. The path of the righteous man, Ezekiel. Yes. Oh. And I'm like, did I see that? I actually went to the internet, because there's plenty of people willing to spoil the movie for free, and to just to confirm, did they drop a Pulp Fiction line? And they did. Oh, I did not pick up on that. That's funny. Okay. Yeah, that's the one role that, he, as long as he plays Nick Fury, he's still going to be overshadowed by Pulp Fiction. Yeah, he's yeah. those are his two roles, so it's funny that they merged them here. I wondered if he was still being Sunset. You know, I was thinking earlier when I watched the movie that he, they killed him, and it made sense that Nick Fury wouldn't want to be a part of it. And then when he's going off to Europe, the first time I see it, I'm like... So basically, they realize they have so many characters here, and they are reaching the end of Sam Jackson's contract, and they do have Kobe Smulders for seven more now. So is she going to be the new Nick Fury? Is they going to give her something to do? But then the credit scene tells me that what he's going to find in Europe is more Nazis. Or more Hydra. Von Strucker. Someone else we saw from David Hasselhoff. Yes. Really? Okay. That guy I... at the end who keeps giving that big speech? Yep, he was in it. Here's my question. I, I feel Stuart usually plays this role because he has no idea what's going on in these credit scenes. I'm lost at this point. I had to look it up. So this is Loki's staff that they found. I thought, like, didn't that have the cosmic cube in it? And then they just transported that back up to Thor's world at the end of Avengers no, 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 no. It had its own thing. The Cosmic Cube was separate from the staff. Remember, the Cosmic Cube was in the machine, and the staff was the key that unlocked okay. the machine. And we didn't see what happened to the staff at the end of Avengers? I think the last time we saw it was Puny God and Loki smashed. Okay. 
That confused me. I didn't know. And it took me a second to figure out who these two prisoners were. Because if I hadn't been reading up on Avengers 2 Age of Ultron, I would have had no idea. I'm like, they caught the Flash? What's going on? Here's what's funny is I had no idea who the bad guys were. I had to Google who the hell those guys were, but I knew that was Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch. It finally clicked when I was watching it who they were because I know what's coming up in the second Avengers film. And yes, none of this made any sense to me and it didn't <laughs> excite me a bit, except Elizabeth Olsen. I'm a big fan of her. Her thriller, Martha Marcy May Marlene, was phenomenal. She was phenomenal in it. I'm going to go ahead and predict it. She's the Mark Ruffalo of Avengers 2. I'm going to be looking to her to totally blow me away. I don't know what Scarlet Witch is, but I'm already ready to love her. And I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, Joss Whedon directed the scene, by the way. And I'm already thinking back to Buffy. You see this magic girl who seems a little bit out of it, and the scene ends with her seemingly crushing the cubes. I'm like, okay, we're going to have Bad Witch. We're going to have an evil out of her mind with power bad witch just like season six of buffy it always comes back to buffy when whedon's involved when joss whedon's involved yeah i mean if jackson can't escape pulp fiction no matter how many billions avengers makes whedon will never escape buffy i I do have to say come on sir at least you could agree this didn't have benicio del toro and bad body makeup no yeah i didn't really care one way or uh, other about it but i was surprised it was a tie to Avengers. They're totally ignoring the fact that we got two more Marvel movies in between then and now. They're- no, just one. Just Guardians. No. Nope. Oh, Big, Big Hero 6 isn't in the universe. Oh, it isn't? No. Then can we skip it? No, we can't. No, it's Marvel. Oh. It's amazing Spider-Man's not in the universe. We could skip that, too. <laughs> it's an animated kids film, and you're making me see it. <laughs> It's theatrical. Not the first. If it was directed DVD, you'd save it. I just watched this Black Widow Punisher directed DVD thing. You're welcome. But even the end end scene, it was just kind of, I hesitate to call it a scene. It was basically just to let you know that the Winter Soldier was going to turn back. He had sort started to remember Steve. He got zapped and then he forgot about him. I already presumed he remembered him because he saved his life, but we have this scene in the Smithsonian to underline the fact that when Captain finds him, they may actually be friends, right? Is is that a storyline in future comics? Do they actually team up? Yeah, he actually takes over the role of Captain America for a while. When... After Chris Evans' contract runs out. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> or when, yeah. Interesting. Okay. This was like a whole new beginning for Captain America in the comics, when reintroducing the Winter Soldier, Bucky Barnes, and he's a a major character now. Yeah, I don't think they're going to go there, so I'll spoil this. You don't think Steve Rogers is going to get shot with a uh, time bullet? Agent 13 killed Captain America. Oh, okay. After, well, dating him for years. Okay. Yeah, they're not going to do that the next film. No. If they do that, it'll be, yeah, when they're ready to to move on to a different actor playing Captain America. Okay, well. And I think they made a mistake with a couple of things on these end credit scenes. First of all, that scene with Winter Soldier, doesn't that feel like it was just trimmed from the montage earlier? Because S.H.I.E.L.D. is no more. And so Maria Hill, she's not with S.H.I.E.L.D. She's interning at Stark Industries, taking Widow's old job, I guess. And Agent 13, she joins the CIA in a cut scene from Charlie's Angels. <laughs> yeah, you know, we get a shot of Crossbones, Brock, sitting on this operating table. I would have thought that's the scene. You, if you're going to make me sit through 20 minutes of credits, that's the little teaser that, oh, he's obviously still alive. He's going to be coming back. He'll probably have the Lucador mask or whatever they decide to put on him, like in the comics. Again, I say, where is Guardians? What is going on there? I, I was looking for any indication why the next film I'm going to watch involves a raccoon with a gun and a tree, but no clue. I'm surprised that they're not tying Guardians in closer. And you know what else they're not playing up? 
is Thanos is in Guardians. Why is he not all over the trailers and say, hey, remember that purple dude from Avengers? Here's his next appearance. Why are they not doing that? Maybe they will when they get closer. I mean, they've only released one trailer so far. Because, Arnie, that may be exciting for comic book fans, but seeing one more creature in a movie filled with them is not going to whet my appetite. I'm looking for something about that movie to look right, but... ugh. All right, well, we're going to get there in August. For now, Jacob Stewart, do you recommend Captain America, The Winter Soldier? Jacob. Well, I, I think it's obvious that I'm going to recommend this. It's a strong, it's a high, high recommend, especially for this Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm going to put it out there. This is the strongest film. This, for me, surpasses the Avengers. It even surpasses that first Iron Man. You know, when I watch Iron Man, that is so about Robert Downey Jr. That's It's fun. It's watching a rock star. It's watching Gene Simmons in his kiss makeup, spitting blood out and playing his axe bass. But the story of that, you know, that third act is so weak for me. It's just another punch em up fight. Avengers, again, that's, there's another great rock act. It's a great encore. It's got a lot of fun characters, but that villain, they're, they're, you know, Loki's interesting in it, but the fact that they're fighting these aliens at the end and they end up being like that battle droids and just shut off like in Phantom Menace, that loses points for me. This one, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, it's Evans, I think is great. He has really made a, performance out of Steve Rogers. I think when he showed up in Thor The Dark World, when Loki turns into Captain America, people weren't cheering because Loki was playing a trick on Thor. It's because Evans is so charismatic as Captain America. He really pulls out, we've talked about a lot of different emotions in this film, and man, he he does make me feel kind of patriotic at times. I want to put my hand over my heart as I'm watching this film and salute the flag. Like There is something he has done with this character, this character that could be so hopeful that really plays out and, and, and wins it over for me. And I think this story, the layers of conspiracies going on, it's just more engaging than what we've seen in the other Marvel films. And there's this personal story going on amongst this huge action set piece at the end, which keeps me engaged throughout. This is the one, you know, I, I think Iron Man, besides when we've had to watch him for this retrospective, Iron Man's really the only one I've gone back and watched just because for fun, I haven't even gone back to Avengers. This one, I want to go back in the movie theaters as soon as we're done recording and watch it again. This was an exciting film, great acting, good story uh, for the most part. There are the hokey little comic book moments like with these helicarries that are going to kill all these people. But overall, very strong for me. And I'm, you know, without watching all these films together, I'm willing to say this is the best of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Stuart. I'm going to agree with you, Jacob. This is my favorite Avengers movie. And because of many of the things you've cited, I mean, there's real world stakes. I always like that. It helps me invest in the superhero story. And that's why I'm never going to love something like Dark Elves coming from space. It has a likable cast across the board. Old favorites that I've loved in other ones. New cast members that are equally good. A good villain. I mean, yes, even the best ones. Iron Man and Avengers, you cannot say they had great third act villain fights. This one does. I think it's definitely the best that Marvel's going to do. I'm going to go one step beyond. I think I like Captain America now more than any other Avenger. Downey is great, but he started to chafe on me. I noticed it with Avengers, and it definitely was true in Iron Man 3. It was less fun to watch him do his shtick. 
And here, I want to see more of Evans. I'm more excited about Captain America 3 than I am about Avengers 2. I really just think they've made a great superhero that, yeah, uh, the impossible. Who would have thought a politicized superhero could be the one that the world could embrace the most? But I think they've done it. Is this the best comic book movie? I mean, I feel like Cap ran for that. That was the goal this time. It wasn't just to do another one. It, it's up there. I think that this is up there with Dark Knight, up with the Superman 1 and 2 movies. I think they made one that people will discuss for a long time, first class. I don't think it has the same excitement for me as that one. I, I think Dark Knight, to me, was a terrifying movie. It really I had an emotional reaction, whereas this one always felt more fun. Fun, and maybe that's a good thing, but it, it made it seem less uh, a work of art and more of a piece of entertainment. So I think they've done a great thing here, and I think it's one of the best superhero movies you can see. I could repeat what you guys have said because I've thought it on my own. I don't know if this is my favorite Marvel film because I do really like the rock star performance of Tony Stark in part one. And I really like the fun, exciting vibe and the humor of Avengers. But I need time to digest The Winter Soldier. Despite going twice in a weekend, I need to let this film settle. And maybe when we discuss Guardians of the Galaxy, or certainly with Avengers 2, I'll be able to help rank it. I don't know if it's my favorite Avengers film, but I can say it's the best. Because of the reasons you guys cited, which is, I thought the third act fights in Avengers and Iron Man were exciting, but the villains themselves were weak. They weren't built up properly. A good hero needs a good villain. Batman needs a Joker. Here, with Hydra, with this conspiracy, Cap has been given a run for his money. And I really like that. And, Stuart, I completely agree with you. I walked out of this movie and went, son of a bitch, Captain America is now my favorite Avenger. I didn't expect that. At all. I love this Captain America universe. I want to see more Black Widow. I want to see more Winter Soldier. I want to see more Captain America. And now that is what has me excited for Avengers 2. More Marvel pulled it out. I was scared after Thor 2. These movies were in decline. Captain America is the first one to get a good sequel. None of the part twos or part threes have lived up. This one excels to be the best of the series, the best made, the most well-choreographed action. This film is a phenomenon. And I went in with tempered expectations after Thor 2 and Iron Man 3. I really did. And I, I couldn't believe how blown away I was by this film. From a couple of television directors. <laughs> I mean, you, me, and Dupree. Not good choreographed action. So... Just an astounding film. I recommend it. I recommend seeing it in theaters in the best venue you can. I had a much better experience in IMAX than I did in a non-IMAX theater. Go see Captain America. If you don't like superhero films, go see Captain America. If you love superhero films, you've already seen Captain America. This one shocked the hell out of me. And I just pray they can keep this quality up. I don't think they can. I'm still nervous about Thor 3, Natalie Portman's contract returns, but... Well, we got Guardians of the Galaxy before that, so... See? It's all about compartmentalization, Arnie. It's in the, <laughs> it's in the movie itself. Disney may own it all, but even within it, there are people doing things that they may not be in control of. They can still make great movies, even when they're trying to put a, a, a corporate stamp on it for family audiences. Yeah, and I wasn't sure. We talked a lot in our Thor 2 review about the Disneyfication of Marvel and what that meant for Star Wars. Finally, there's a movie that gives me hope. I can hope again. A new hope? <laughs> <laughs>
So the strongest of recommends for Captain America, the Winter Soldier, much to my own surprise, amazing, amazing film. Is it one of the best superhero films of all time? It's up there now. When you did your list, Stuart, it matches mine. You look at like Superman 1 and 2, The Dark Knight, X-Men First First Class. Class. Yeah. Kick-Ass is there for me. Yeah, And this is up there now, too. I mean, we've seen them all. (laughs) Yeah. No, I know. I'm an expert. God knows how I became one. But yeah, it's it's in there. I can't. You're right. It's too fresh to rank it. But it's up there. It's in the top six. Yeah. Clearly. And that's amazing to me. I never expected it when they announced Chris Evans was Captain America. I mean, you go back to all of it. And if I'd known what I knew going in, I wouldn't have thought they could pull it off. Arnim Zola, Hydra. Come on. They pull it off with stars and stripes. And fourth host, that woman in the audience finished the movie by just applauding, going, that movie was great. (laughs) And trying to get her friends to go back and see it again that night. So I think it's four recommends. Not just three. I wanted to go introduce myself to her and say, will you go to every now playing movie with me? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. She can sit in for me for Amazing Spider-Man 2. I'm totally fine with that. But, man, you talk about all this compartmentalization. What the hell's going to happen on Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D.? There's no S.H.I.E.L.D. That's what I'm asking. Cancellation? Right? (laughs) They've definitely written themselves an easy way to cancel it if that's how they choose. Or, yeah, maybe it's about rebuilding S.H.I.E.L.D. and bringing the honor. There were good agents amid all of that. And I'm guessing that all of the characters uh, that are stars of that show were not HYDRA double agents. No, I'm... It's implied there might be one among them. That would be an interesting turn of events as all the characters have been pretty bland. But I'll tell you, they've reinvigorated me. But what I know is they're not going to let the TV show tie these loose threads. They're going to let them dangle on the loose threads. But it's up to the movies to really carry the universe. If Captain America the Winter Soldier did nothing else... it shined a huge spotlight on how insignificant that ABC series is. And if they can't fix that, they need to kill it. You know, and I have this feeling that, yeah, they all they're going to do is just have people walk in with their hair messed up and some dirt on their face being like, "Woo, that sure was terrible when they blew up the building and then just go have an, an, an anonymous adventure that has nothing to do with it. it, it to me, yeah, there, there's just at this point, it's too hard to do the grandiosity of the big screen on the small screen. As good as television has has become, I still feel like if you want serialized entertainment of superheroes, watch the Marvel Universe movies. It is a TV show that has episodes twice a year, it seems like. so. And they're talking about upping it to three times a year because, I mean, they keep adding more with Ant-Man and Guardians, and yet they still want to do sequels to Cap 3, Thor 3. Yeah, I, I heard they had a roadmap to what, 2028? We got a long road, Stuart. Lots more now playing. Jacob, you have to keep living. How old do you have to get to survive the current plans for the Marvel Universe. That's just another 14 years. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I think some of these sound like spinoffs to quickly canceled series. I don't know that Ant-Man or Guardians of the Galaxy are going to thrive the way that it has. But you know what? If Marvel has proved nothing, it's that they can keep building on their success, that they have a really good habit of taking what was working for them and doing it bigger and better and more profitable. So, And as far as TV goes, I think they need to just continue with what they're doing. Next year, their Netflix series is coming out, Daredevil. I have far more hopes 
for a limited run mini series that's going to go to Netflix. And if it's really successful, maybe get a season two or crossover to the films, then something that they have to take commercial breaks and just deal with network sensors and sponsors and those kinds of budgetary constraints. And I'm all for putting it on television because that means I don't have to watch it. No, I have to and then fill you in on it every time we uh-huh. come back. <laughs> yeah, good luck with that Daredevil show. I'm sure it's great. But we've got a lot more superheroes coming. I mean, as you mentioned, we've got Amazing Spider-Man 2, X-Men Days of Future Past just coming in the next couple of months. And then Guardians, well, we blow it out. And uh, compartmentalization here at Now Playing, we're doing other stuff. We're doing King. God knows some of it is stuff you've heard of. Some of it, uh, someone tell me what we're doing next week. Sometimes they come back. (laughs) Yes, it's about greasers from the past who killed a boy coming to the present time to kill the boy's younger brother. Huh? Greasers. <laughs> well, it's Stephen King. I, I expect no less than killer greasers. Imagine Back to the Future with mean people. Mmm, okay. <laughs> I thought that's what Back to the Future was. There's a bully in it. <laughs> all right. Well, I look forward to is not the phrase, but I will anticipate all future reactions to that moment then. Well, I'll see you next week on that. Well, let's say, though, with compartmentalization, we're also compartmentalizing our spring donation series. Up on our homepage now are the details. The first podcast is coming out in just a couple of weeks where we're going to talk to you about The Matrix. Jacob, I know you're excited. Yeah, I feel like I'll be the one defending those sequels, possibly. I know they're not <laughs> beloved, and I don't know if I beloved them, but uh, I think there's something there. I think they're worth a second look, so I'm glad we're going to get a chance to discuss them. Yes, this is our spring donation drive. It's going to leak into summer because we're going to end with the new Wachowski film, Jupiter Ascending, and that comes out in July. That is for a silver donation of $10 or more. It is your donations that help keep our show going and allowing us to do all the shows we do, all the theatrical one-offs we're doing this summer, all of the series we're doing. It's all made possible. The bandwidth, the server costs, the tickets, all thanks to your donations. And for those who really want to support the show and donate $25 or more, not only do you get the four Matrix reviews plus Jupiter Ascending, but eight, our largest gold donation drive ever, eight Planet of the Apes films. Yeah, another big fan of those films. And some crazy, wacky, 70s sci-fi stuff, all the way up to James Franco and Gollum being an ape this time. You can find out all the details by clicking the banner at the top of NowPlayingPodcast.com. And as always, our Donation Drive podcasts are only available for a limited time. After Jupiter Ascending comes out in July, these podcasts go into the vault and will not be able to be available. So you can get them all as a package a little later, or you can donate now and get these shows as they're released. And we thank you in advance for your support of our show. It allows us to keep doing this and for Stuart to go see Big Hero 6. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I, I can't thank anyone that would make me do that, but I do definitely appreciate the support that allows me to do it less painfully. So, Jacob Stewart, thank you for joining me. We will come back next week with Sometimes They Come Back. And until then, Avengers Avengers Assemble! Hey, fellas. Either one of you know where the Smithsonian is? I'm here to pick up a fossil. Thank you.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Now Playing Avengers Retrospective Series. We're adjourned. We're adjourned for the day. Okay. You've been a delight. Part of our Marvel Comics Movie Retrospective Series. This is a whole new level of weird. I don't feel inclined to step away from it. Come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week. Your work has impressed a lot of people who are much smarter than I am. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, go to our archives where you can find reviews of other Marvel Comics movie series such as X-Men, The Fantastic Four, Blade, and Punisher, plus DC Comics reviews of Green Lantern, Batman, and Superman. Good luck keeping on. We also have non-comic-based movie reviews such as Star Trek, Terminator, Halloween, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Tron, and many more. I'm bringing the party to you. You will also find individual movie reviews such as Cowboys and Aliens, Avatar, and Scott Pilgrim vs. The World. We made this thing, all of us. Please. While at NowPlayingPodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can discuss this show with other listeners. Here we remain as a beacon of hope, shining out across the stars. You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook and Twitter, where the hosts post new episode announcements and written movie reviews. You've seen what he becomes, right? I have. And it's beautiful. Godlike. The links to our social media pages can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Therefore, what I'm saying, if I'm saying anything, is welcome back. Support from listeners like you help keep Now Playing operating. You have to explain that statement, sir. You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. Is it too much of a problem to ask? Because I'm, I'm... Okay, okay. I really need your help here. You can also show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy t-shirts, totes, boxers, coffee mugs, teddy bears, and much more. Get yourself something nice for me. I already did. And? Oh, it's very nice. Yeah. Very tasteful. Now Playing's Avengers Retrospective Series is edited by Arnie. I've moved on to the next one, because that's what we do, right? I mean, that's the job. Now playing credit narration by Brock. Wow. You spoke to me with what you did, and I know that you knew that I'd be listening. Now Playing is not affiliated with Marvel Enterprises or Marvel Studios, Paramount Pictures, Universal Pictures, or the Disney Company. The Avengers, Captain America, Iron Man, Thor, The Incredible Hulk, and all that the Marvel Universe contains are the property and trademark of the Disney Company and no infringement is intended. You really think that just because you have an idea, it belongs to you? The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Inganza Media Incorporated. Just stick to the official statement and soon this will all be behind you. Now Playing is a Inganza Media production, copyright 2014, all rights reserved. Any last words? When do we start? We just did. I thought Jeff Bridges should have been in on it. I thought Jeff Daniels should have been in on it bracelets but then she's throwing like little mini discs that do it she shocks herself mini dicks discs i didn't miss that I said, oh, okay <laughs> i'm not sure you did but <laughs> i heard discs okay you just have small penises on the brain <laughs> <laughs> um
spring donation drive. It's going to leak into summer because we're going to end with the new Wachowski film, Jupiter Ascending. I almost called them Wachowski Brothers. <laughs> I guess if you go by chromosomes, they still are. But I will give the plot after I take a piss. Really? Yes, really. <laughs> Two cups of coffee. Okay, fair enough. <clears throat> that sounds like the last uh, half hour of this movie. I had to pee so bad. Oh, and I'm no. Like, and here's the thing. I'm like, okay, I'll get to the mid credit scene. I'll run to the bathroom and come back and watch the end credit thing. Mm-hmm. And so I see that mid credit scene. I run and they have, they're, they're not letting people back in. They are directing traffic out because there are huge lines for the next show. And I'm like, they're not yeah, going to let course. me back in. So I go back and I just stand there doing my dance and f- I waited for that f- last minute scene. Yeah. Uh, it's not a scene. No, but, uh... I'm like, I'm like, mother. And then I, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I was like dancing my scene. I'm like, can I whip my dick out and piss in my cup and get away with it? Like, <laughs> I have been in one showing, and I can't remember. It was for one of these movies, and I can't, I can't remember which one it was. But I, it was critical. It was like, if I don't go soon, I, I may lose bowel control. Yeah, I may actually wet myself. I, and, uh, I was worried about it. Yeah, it's a, that is. I, I guess it's a sign of getting older, but I, I had never been in that situation before, and I was like, wow, uh, if I miss anything, I won't be able to talk about it. There is a basement in the basement? I feel yeah. like that was some from some movie we've discussed before. <laughs> yeah, Graveyard Shift. <laughs> yes, that's what it was. <laughs> you repressed it already. <laughs> Good job. I'm still trying. <laughs> Show's over! I still think about it. 